Morning, Andrea. Good morning, Sonia. Good morning. Shabbat shalom, Dr. Pitchin. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Did you say Gamar Joba, Sonia? Excuse me, say again. Did you say Gamar Joba? I think I, I think you pronounced it wrong. Chach Sameach. Chach Sameach. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I don't heard you say Gamar. Shabbat shalom, Stephen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Dr. Pitchin. Hi, Dave. Hi, Rod. Shabbat shalom, Dr. P. Hey, good morning, Tina. Hi, Angelo. I need to ask um, you a quick question when you have a moment. Quick question, now, Angelo. Are you on two different? Are you on? Two yeah, different I'm an idiot. I've messed up my uh, my uh, iMac so much I can only do video from my phone. So I'm sorry. I'm I don't have a dual personality. It's just I'm an idiot. Smart are you, phone. Are you, are you sure you're not schizo here? Uh, probably. There's more than at least three, and there are four possibly <laughs> at the moment. Um, just real fast. Before you start the meeting, I have a really powerful, broken in a good way, good way testimony, testimony that I, that I share, with, share with you. Okay, now hold on, hold on, Angelo, because you're getting like, we're getting like a dual yeah. echoplex from yeah. you. Before you start, Angelo, before you start, let me just, I want to greet everybody here this morning. I want to welcome everybody to our Shabbat meeting. We'll see you there, Chris McIntyre. Looking forward to seeing you. Good morning. Shabbat shalom. And yeah, Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Okay, and John Barr, glad so glad you're here, brother. And what John Barr is here, I want to I'm gonna put up a post here. Um Next Saturday is going to be uh, the last Shabbat meeting that we'll be doing here at this particular web address. I'll be putting up a web address later on in the chat today. John and Drew and Jessica are going to be taking over the Shabbat while I'm gone. And uh, so we'll have that address up and so that we can continue to meet as a great kahal, gadul kahala, right? It's, it's a very good co uh, congregation, and I love all of you guys, and it's going to be good for you to continue to meet. We're just going to have a different web address for, for all of that, okay? Yeah. I'll, I'll put it up in the, um, I will put it up in the in the chat here as we go along, because I don't think Jesse can be here today. All right, well, good morning to you. All right, now, Angelo, have you cured that audio problem yet? Where are you, brother? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. What the problem is, is I'm an idiot. Like I said, I can't figure out this camera has been taken over by another app. I can't seem to find it. So I can't get on the video, but I'll be on audio anyway. So uh, right. when you have a moment, I wanted to share a testimony that's from the bottom of my heart. It's my heart's broken on something in a good way. But I want I, if I could, I just need to indulge the group for a few minutes because it's to uplift. OK, so if that's our introduction then let Yah's name be praised. Go ahead. All right. Thank you. For, I appreciate it very much. Um, this morning, I was very overtaken by something, and um, I'll start at the end to give a background at the beginning. Um, the season that we're in, I was led to go to water this morning, a Sabbath day's journey in live water, to give myself unreserved, complete commitment and waiting for an assignment of ministry that he's been putting together in full. So by having said that, I wanted to lift this up to this group because when I was brought to the name in 2019, the history of my walk in Yah goes back to 18 months old. 
and I mean this sincerely, I remember my first memory in life, the very same feeling and sensation that I have with the Ruach now. I felt a presence come in, outside and inside. And my walk from the rest of my life has been one attack after another, trying to get me in every direction you can possibly imagine. You can be imagine me brought up in a hardcore Roman Catholic abusive priesthood that sexually abuses, physically abuses, a family that was a nightmare, um, cast out of everything, looking desperately for truth, finding Jehovah's Witnesses in 1971 because I didn't know anything. That was the only thing I knew that these people at least went in the scripture. I could sense that the, the na- they didn't have the name right, but there was a difference between father and son. It wasn't triune. It wasn't this. So I was drawn to the Bible always. And so through that maybe counterfeit and cult-like because it takes over authority, it spoke to me in a way that I learned much. But even in that organization for 40 years, I struggled horribly, abused by them, and I'm disfellowshipped from them. So I've been in a lone walk from a human standpoint. However, the reason I'm sharing this is when I was brought to the true name, as it came to me, you were the first person and I have been observing your and I took in every piece of information you had on that website. I internalized it. I tested it out and I decided I didn't decide it. It was decided for me. It was time for me to just hush and observe and learn and relearn going back to scripture and and, and, and listening. And interestingly enough, I felt a kindred spirit with you because I could sense that there was a similar in personality, dynamics. I always loved history, loved scripture, loved to study about law, loved to study about anything you could imagine. And I can feel your passion and your anger about things, so all the things you went through. And I come from a very reactive um, because of the damage. Uh, I'm not afraid to share when I found this truth. I had to be locked up and shut up for about four years. Because everything came out of my mouth, it might have been sharing truth, but it was not the spirit of the Ruach. I was angry. I was hurt. And so my wife took a lot of that brunt. She's currently still a witness. Five generations. So they go back to the 1870s and her family. So she's well indoctrinated. It's been a colossal, amazing teaching to take a hot-headed, overreactive, abused person like me and to not beat them down, but to be taught with love and to to feel my heart break each time and to feel this Ruach, which is impossible for me on a human standpoint to have ever anything else but reactive anger, especially when I found out how much lies I had been sharing. But the wonderful thing is I'm thankful for every one of them now. And I feel like I know you. You don't know me, but I've been watching your walk and I've been watching your growth. And I just looked at a picture of you this morning from 2019. And to share the, I can see the gentleness, what Yacht's done in your life, the things you've walked through. I've been there with you all the way, by the way. I've watched every episode. I've stood in the background and watched it all. And now I feel like this community has been given to me. I feel very much a part of it. You're like an older brother to me. And someday I hope to be able to share my story at a deeper level. If it can be used, or it can be used in any way, I'm here. And I would like to send you an email sometime when you get back from uh, your journeys going to Sukkot and all that to be able to share something in a deeper way personally. And I mean that sincerely. I don't mean that to draw attention to me. It's the last thing in the world I want to do because I don't have a good reputation because of where I grew up. I was so hurt. I was damaged. I was in drugs. I was in alcohol. And I had a chip on my shoulder and a broken heart. And I didn't treat people well for a long time. I would never want to bring shame to Yah's name. So there's a community of time in that past, in that place in New York that 
I don't know if it would be any good idea to ever let my name be known, stay anonymous, let the message be known. And I'm very concerned about that because on YouTube and on these other things, when you share things, you know, it can go out viral. It can go to a lot of places. And the last thing in the world I ever want to do is let Satan do that and take advantage of that. But in this community and what he's been doing for me, he's opening up doors and bringing in new people, new friends. And they're asking me about this. I'm not even getting a chance to share. It's just he's opened this door. And so with that being said, I will conclude with I love you very much, uh, Stephen. I feel so much intimacy with everything that you've talked about and shared. And at this community, um, I, all the people that are suffering, I would Shane, Jessica, people I'm just meeting. I want to bring you, I had you with me in that water this morning, all of you. And it was never, I've never been alone all my life. I've always felt the father and son and I felt that ruin. And I want to bring this to a glory day that this day of all days, a wonderful day for this to have happened to me. A brand new beginning. And um, I open myself up to this community in ways I just love you all. And I do want to talk to you, Dr. Peace, sometime personally about some things. Because I think that um, I could I could share something with you that you might find advantageous with, with all the things you're doing. Well, but, uh, thank you, Angelo. I really appreciate that uh, heartfelt discussion this morning. You know, we... We kind of talked about this last night at the fellowship and my friend Ricky pointed out, he said, you know, each and every one of those injuries and every one of those failures is not a failure per se, but rather a bow, an arrow in your quiver. It's an arrow in your quiver. It is Yah teaching you something new and arming you for the war, the spiritual war to come. And the spiritual war to come is, you know, it's now upon us and it's going to require a great deal of strength. And really the bottom line for all of us, it is written, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And you know what? It's all about endurance, my friend. It's all about endurance and your faith enduring with strength unto the end. And not much else really matters because people try to beat us down, you know, and it's very important to that we not take on the role of a victim because even though the world tries to harm us over and over again, we cannot do the things we need to do as a victim. We need to do the things we're going to do as a warrior in Mashiach. And remember that you are called to be a king and a priest. You are called to be a king and a priest, not me. I'm just called to be a guy who's, you know, setting forth the scriptures and telling you what's there. You're called to be a king and a priest. You're called to stand on your own two feet, be strong, and to, to demonstrate with your life reverence for he who created you. And if you can do that, and you can endure with that reverence, no matter what the world may serve you. Look what the world served Job, right? Look, what the, look, look at the kind of a suffering that many of the people in Scripture were put through. And they went through that suffering, not because Yah intended suffering, but because Yah intended to show strength, the strength of his children, the strength of his children in the face of adversity. And we're called to that. And and I and I appreciate your testimony, but I just I want to point to you, Angelo. Remember that the whatever blessing you found here, it comes from Yah. It comes from Hallelujah. Yah. Right? Yes. 
And we, we just have to keep that in mind that it is Yah's hand at work in our life. And, you know, and so even though there may be, we get attacks all the time and people calling us names and denouncing us and saying all kinds of things about us, it really doesn't matter. What does matter is what Yah thinks and what Yah calls us to. And, you know, this was something else we talked a little bit last night, too, is that, you know, religion has been crafted to control people. And when you, when you look closely, like we've been studying this in Sefer Academy, when, in the, when we studied the common law, we looked at the, you know, Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople, the seven councils, and what, why they were created. And they were created to create the rules and govern people's lives. And in creating these rules to govern people, it violated the Ten Commandments grossly. And like, for instance, you know, you're called, every person is called to take of the unleavened bread and take of the cup at Passover. It's a requirement. You have to do it. If you don't do it, you are to be cut off from the house of Yasharel. And yet the church says, oh, well, we're going to withhold that from you. We're going to withhold that from you if you don't obey our Nicolaitan authority. And the problem with this is that the um, they can't do that. They have no right to weaponize the Passover meal. They have no right to do that, but they did. That's the very first thing they did, is to weaponize the communion, weaponize the, the covenant, the Shem, the Melchizedek covenant of bread and wine. And so, and in doing so, they went on to annul the name. They went on to exalt themselves above Yahweh. They put up their engraved images and their icons and told you to worship them. They stopped the Saturday Sabbath and forced you into a Sunday worship. You know, all of these things were done to create a religion. And as somebody mentioned the other day, the ones that are going to persecute us are going to be Christians. Hmm. It's not going to be Jews and their Noahide laws. The ones that are going to persecute us are going to be Christians. And they're going to tell themselves that they're doing God a favor in killing us. Oh dear. And so, you know, and so, uh, and I want to share with you, you know, and, and what, uh, what, how, how disturbing is it that um, many young men were abused by Catholic priests? I mean, if you want to know the truth of it, you know, when you look at um, the rise of homosexuality in the United States, the chief cause of homosexuality, at least what anybody's been able to link to it, it's not a genetic disposition. It's not it's nothing, nothing like this. But 85% of the cases of men who are homosexual state in their own testimony, they were molested by an older man between the ages of 12 and 16. Now, when you take a look at that provision, who was doing the molesting in San Francisco? that opened that whole city up to this. It was the Catholic priesthood. That's who was doing it. And the Catholic priesthood is the one who basically got this whole thing going. And so, you know, and there's been no accountability for those priests who've been molesting children 
they get shipped out of one parish to another where they can pick it up somewhere else. And, uh, and it's not surprising because again, you had a group of people who were not inspired by the, by the Ruach HaKodesh impose maxims over the priesthood, like that priests should be celibate when it's very clear that, you know, in Orthodoxy, the priests are all married. It's only in Catholicism that they're not married. And, uh, you know, so these are the kinds of things that happen. But, but you know, I, I just want to encourage you in this respect. Don't let yourself be a victim, number one. And if you've got victimology in your mind, you need to let go of that. You should never be a victim in your mind. Be strong. Stand up and forgive those who have victimized you. And the best way to forgive them is to forget about it. You've learned the skills you've learned through the abuse. You know, you've got to, many people have, uh, you know, I know you've all met people like this. They have walls up, you know, when you meet them. And some people don't just have walls up. They have entire fortresses around them. You're not getting through to me. Why not? Because I've been abused, abused, and abused. And every time I've been abused, here comes a fence. Starts out as a small white picket fence. Then it becomes a chain link fence. Pretty soon it's a brick wall. The next thing you know, it's it's a 20-foot wall fortress. And you're not getting through. And that kind of reactivity does not bless a person who's behind that wall. They isolate themselves and trap themselves in coldness. Right? But if you can allow yourself to forgive those people who have victimized you. I mean, you know, look, I mean, I grew up in an abusive environment. My dad thought I was going to fight World War II, right? And so to fight World War II, you need to be a tough guy. And so he decided to teach me and my brother how to be tough guys, how to, you know, prepare ourselves to make a D-Day landing on Normandy Beach. So that was accompanied by all kinds of things. A belt would have been the lighter punishment. Two by fours, rubber hoses, broomsticks. You know, you know. <laughs> there was a day, there was. I got to share the story with you. There was a day my brother and I, I had brought home a couple of uh, these short flagpoles. They were three foot dowels, and uh, because I picked them up on my paper route, and so my brother and I were sitting in in our bedroom. We had a big bedroom, and we're sword fighting with these with these sticks, you know, whack, 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 you know. Anyway, my brother throws a right at me and I just dropped my sword and his dowel goes right through the bedroom window. Well, my dad hears that. We didn't know that that he heard it, you know, but the next thing you know, the bedroom door breaks open and here's dad with the broom in his hand. So you want a sword fight? Huh? <laughs> he comes out and I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> he was deadly serious with that broom, right? Because, of course, he was the one that had to replace the window, not me, right? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things, right? And, of course, you know, trying to raise uh, two wild boys in Alaska, in wild Alaska, good luck, right? And, uh, yeah, but at any rate, but thank you for that testimony, Angela. Like yeah, and I do want to assure you, uh, the victimization was was gone or quite some time ago i was I, I misspoke i just wanted to share that it's the testimony to the strength of yah i wanted the reason i was mentioning you is because i was in a lone human community no one no one to walk with and so you were in my pocket all the time in my earphones and so it you know what happens you just you feel a kindred and so it was special to me I, so i wanted to share yah's used you greatly and and yah bless it's all hallelujah to him and, yeah, hallelujah. And I do. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Angelo. Thank you. And again, you know, I'm just, I want to encourage you guys in the community, be strong in this community. Okay. Cause I'm going to be in this community for a while. So be strong in the community, right? Each one of you, you're called to be Kings and priests. Let that happen. Okay. Amen. Okay. Uh, George Redman, did you, did you want to say something this morning, Joy? Amen. I guess we'll wait on Joy. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Hello, may I blow the shofar? Yeah. Hi, Ezra. Yes. Are you going to blow the shofar? Yes. I have a shofar here. And <laughs> that's a uh, herald's the day. Yeah. <laughs> Shalom. Hallelujah. Ezra, that is some of the best shofar blowing I think I've heard live. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And Hag Sameach, everyone, on Yom Teruah. Hag Sameach. You know, here we are. Here we are in the, the first of the year in the Southern Hemisphere. and But at the first day of the seventh month in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, okay, let's see here. This let me see if I can. Uh... Okay, okay. Joy's having a hard time unmuting, and uh, so okay. Catherine, did you want to give us something this morning before we get started? Catherine, I guess everybody's having some problems. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, Stephen. Um, I was, um, I, I'm very confident I'm going to be okay between you and me. Um, also, I just wanted to uh, request prayer. Um, if, if everybody can pray for Dr. P's. Um, research on the 25th in London. Um, also, we've had a bit of a glitch with um, two others, Barry and Cheryl. Now, sadly, um, I've been let down with a letter of support for them. But can everybody please pray that I'm able to to sort this out at the last minute, that they will be able to get into the manuscripts department as well, if they choose to. Um, so if you can all please, or somebody please pray. This is very important for Dr. P. Yeah, we can we can lift up that prayer. We'll, we'll get to that prayer when we, when we close. Um, Dr. P. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's so important. Um, we know you and your wife are secure. We know I'm secure. But I only got news in a couple of minutes ago 
they're Barry and Cheryl aren't. So I'm going to have to appeal to Jeff at the library at the last minute um, for Barry and Cheryl. Um, sadly, they were let down. Yeah. Um, so if we can lift Barry and Cheryl in prayer, that Yah will intervene miraculously because I don't think people realize how strict the manuscripts department is. Um, because I've watched them kick out professors and doctors and all sorts before when I've been in there. But, um, yeah, thank goodness um, yeah. the three of us are secure. But we need to lift up Cheryl and Barry and pray. And um, that's that's what I'm hoping we can do. And if the trip can run yeah. smoothly, because we've had a bit of a hiccup. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, and we will lift that. We'll lift that when we close in prayer today. Okay. Please, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay, and Joy, you are there now. Are you? Yes, I'm here now. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, Jessica Nock also, besides the um, Shabbat meetings, she wanted me to let you all know that the Sukkot 2023 in Portugal, Holland, and UK can be viewed on Eating Wild Honey and Locust YouTube and website. Please subscribe so you don't miss notification of each service. She's also saying these details will be included in the Sefer Insider Update. She also wants us to pray for Sandy and her heart, Tina, Eileen, Vicki, and Andy with his cancer diagnosis, Tracy, Jane, who have similar injuries to Shane's spine and are in sheer pain and disablement, Rick B. and Morgan and Don, all three are homeless. Angela Morris has health issues for son and herself. Vicki Dawson is alone after losing her husband last year. We also want to pray for Raina and her continued healing of her eyes and for all those who are unnamed that are having trouble. Also, she wanted me to give you an update on Shane. Um, Shane started cardio. It was very hard for him to move his legs um, around to the bed, to the floor. He still is having trouble uh, feeling his feet and legs. And Jesse was asking for prayer next week. Um, she is having someone come by, which you've helped with Dr. Pigeon, which I'm very grateful for. That's going to do natural remedies. And she's praying that they will be able to do those natural remedies in the hospital. He's probably going to eventually go to a rehab hospital. He is nowhere near ready to come home. So if we could say a special prayer for him, I would appreciate it. And happy Yom Tehran. I love everybody here. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. Well, if you would, Joy, if you would keep that list handy. Well, in fact, um, yeah, let's go ahead and open in prayer. And then, Joy, if you would, could you go back through that? As we go. Lift up I can't hear you. What now? Let's, Can if, I go back and what? 
uh, when we, I'm going to open us up in prayer here before the Torah portion. And if you would prayer and give us those names again, can you do that? I sure can. Okay. Let's, let's pray. And also if, if, uh, Dave, can you, can you join the prayer and, and pray for our trip in the research aspect of the trip that, uh, not only would we, that we'd have access to everything we need to get. And that both Paul and Cheryl will get will gain access as well. Could you add that to the prayer, Dave? That possible. You say Dave, you're talking to this Dave or another yeah, Dave? Yeah. I'm talking to you, to you. Uh, so let me say this, Stephen, though. The shofar I heard from your mouth when you uh, did that uh, uh, yeah. voicing of uh, you shall be hated in uh, for my name's sake was uh, timely as you know it. It's timely. I just uh, praise Yahuwah for that shofar sounding at the time of the shofar sounding. Uh, hallelujah. Yeah, thank you. And that shofar sounding is what makes health spring forth speedily. And that uh, shofar sounding we, we believe is uh, for the remnant, for the Kodeshim to have the voice of Yahuwah sounding in the earth, the yeah. voice of his of his anointing, hallelujah. Amen. And that's what we're looking for. We want to hear from the Shamaim, not from uh, somewhere else. And we pray for that voice of the Shofar, the Shamaim, Yahuwah, for these... Uh, for this meeting and for uh, all those that are needing the uh, health to spring forth speedily in Yahushua HaMashiach's name, our, uh, whose we are and whom we serve, amen. amen. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Okay. Well, hallelujah. Yahweh Sebaot El Kadosh Akad Yasharet. Shema Here are prayers. Avinu Olam Vad Olam. Our Father forever and ever. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the beauty, and the glory. It all belongs to you, Father. We are your children, you are our Elohim. And so we lift our prayers to you today. We lift up the brothers and sisters who walk through this world with flesh that, of course, has a, an expiration to it. And in that flesh, Father, oftentimes problems rise here and problems rise there. And as they do, we do the best to deal with them, knowing that we comfort one another in this walk and we have an expectation of one another that we're going to help each other as we walk through this. And Father, we want to lift our hands of assistance by raising our praise to you and raising our petitions to you, that you would hear our plea and that you would respond, Father, to restore those who are hurting and who need a healthy restoration she would bring them forward and father we also pray for this this congregation that you would also bless our study today as we lift up Yom Teruah to you the sound of the trumpet as we prepare our hearts for Yom Kippur and the day of affliction that we would be before you as true that we would be that our belief in you would be true and not just the words of our lips, but the words of our heart. 
and that our souls would be made clean before you, knowing that it is nothing of that we do that is going to reconcile us, but it is the work that you have done through Yahusha that reconciles us. We are covered in his blood and we are covered in his garments. And as you looked at the blood of Mashiach on the ground, we pray you see our blood there, that his blood would be a complete propitiation for our sins before you. And that the blood has been shed for whatever has been our transgression, that we are reconciled to you completely, and that you see us as your children, perfect in your sight. Father, we thank you for Yom Teruah. We thank you for this coming feast of Yom Kippur. And we thank you for this coming feast of tabernacles. When your word was made flesh and tabernacled among us, we pray as a congregation, Father, that you would help us, aid us, and keep us, that we would show love for one another, and that we would be those kinds of people to edify each other and to lift each other up and to carry our, to carry ourselves, particularly to carry us in those spiritual times when the spiritual burden is so heavy, when we may have fallen and we can't get up, when we struggle through the valley of the shadow of death, when other things cause us to walk in suffering in great, uh, that calls us to great endurance, we may not have that strength to do it, Father. That you are with us in spirit and truth. Pray that you would carry us on your shoulders in those hours, Father. That you would never leave us nor forsake us in the name of Yosha. And, and uh, Joy, I pray that you would lift up the names of those people who are hurting now, that we can all lift them up before the Father. Yahweh, we praise you. We ask humbly prayers for our congregation, for Sandy with her heart issues, for Tina, Eileen, Vicki and Andy, cancer diagnosis. We also ask that you pr we pray for Tracy and Jane who have similar issues to Shane's spine and are in sheer pain and disablement. Rick B, Morgan, and Don, all three homeless. We pray for them, Father, that they may find rest and comfort somewhere. And Angela Morris, her health issues for her son and herself. Vicki Dawson, alone after losing her husband last year. We pray for Raina and her continued healing of her eyes. We pray for Dr. Pigeon on his travels that he will be safe, Father, that he will be able to do the research that he needs to do and that he will be able to accomplish all that he wants to accomplish. And we are so grateful for this congregation and we pray for all the others that are unnamed in Yahushua HaMashiach's name, amen. So we lift this to you, Father, now. See, Yahweh Elohai Yasharel, Lam Lad Olam. Blessed are you, Yahweh, our Elohim, the, the Holy One of Israel, and our Father forever and ever. We lift our prayers to you in the atoning grace through the blood of Yahusha. Amen. Amen. So thank you, brothers and sisters. It is such great joy to be with you today in our fellowship. And let us begin in this Torah portion that is going to be a Torah portion that has been labeled Rosh Hashanah. So 
we have some volunteers to read this Parsha today. And who would like to undertake that journey this morning? I'll read. Okay, all right. So Victoria, okay, outstanding. Okay, let me put it up, Victoria, and we can get going. Outstanding, thank you. Okay, let's see, let's use this one right here. And we'll share that screen, there we go. Okay. Okay. Parshat Genesis 21. And Yahuwah visited Sarah as he had said, and Yahuwah did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time which Elohim had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bore to him, Yitzhak. And Abraham circumcised his son Yitzhak, being eight days old, as Elohim had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Yitzhak was born at, unto him. And Sarah said, Elohim has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Yitzhak was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Mitzring, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Yitzhak. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And Elohim said unto El Abraham, let it not be grievous in your sight because of the lad and because of your bondwoman and all that Sarah has said unto you, hearken unto her voice for in Yitzhak shall your seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is your seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Be'er Sheva. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, <clears throat> as it were a bow shot. Oh, I lost my place. When you moved it, I lost my place. What? Oh, for she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. And Elohim heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of Elohim called to Hagar out of the heavens and said unto her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for Elohim has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Oh, thank you. And Elohim opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And Elohim was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took him a woman out of the land of Mitzrayim. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Picol the chief captain of his host spoke unto El Abraham, saying, Elohim is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear seven oaths unto me here by Elohim that you will not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, 
but according to the kindness that I have done unto you, you shall do unto me and to the land wherein you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear seven oaths. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I know not who has done this thing. Neither did you tell me, neither yet heard I of it, but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them cut a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto El Abraham, What means these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shall you take out of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have dug this well. Wherefore, he called that place Beersheba, because there they swore seven oaths, both of them. Thus they cut a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech rose up, and Pekol, the chief captain of his host, and they returned unto the land of the Pelishtim. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba, and called there on the name of Yahuwah, El Olam, and Abraham sojourned in the Pelishtim's land many days. Yes, Yahweh El Olam. Yahweh El forever, right? That's what it means. Yahweh El forever. Okay. Go ahead, if you want to keep going. Victoria, you there? I'm sorry, I turned off my microphone. And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, ye shall have a holy assembly. Ye shall do no servile work. It is Yom Teruah unto you. And ye shall offer an ascending smoke offering for a sweet savor unto Yahweh, one young bullock, one ram, and seven lambs of the first year without blemish. And their oblation shall be of flour mingled with oil, three-tenth deals for a bullock, and two-tenth deals for a ram, and one-tenth deal for one lamb throughout the seven lambs, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering to make an atonement for you. Okay, Besides, stop, there, stop there for a second. One kid of the goats for a sin offering, right? Now, we're going to see that this goat is going to appear again when we get to Yom Kippur. One goat that is going to be sacrificed, and another goat that's going to have a collar put on him, and sent out into the wilderness for Azazel, right? But it's very deceiving that since we have here, okay, we're going to do an ascending smoke offering, okay? And, but their oblation shall be of flour mingled with oil. Now, this means that, you know, what do they call it when they take, uh, when they take the, the chicken and they roll it in flour before they deep fry it? Uh, you know, the breaded, you know, when you bread the chicken, you know, before you fry it. So this is clearly where this comes from. They were breading the offering here with the with the with the, with the flour. <laughs> okay, so it's a little bit of humor, yeah. Dredging. It's called dredging. Dredging. There you go. Okay. And so uh, anyway, the but the thing is, is that when we talk about these offerings, the the flesh offerings, you know, the flesh offerings are a very interesting thing because it's very clear in the Torah that no animal can be sacrificed. Except where Yah places his name. Yah places his name. No animal can be sacrificed otherwise. And when Yah removed his name from the temple, 
there has not been a sacrifice that has been capable since the temple was destroyed. And this has been the case for now almost 2,000 years. So uh, we know that Yah took away the this animal sacrifice himself. And I don't believe the animal sacrifice is ever going to return because the blood of Mashiach is sufficient for thee. And, you know, we were reading in uh, Jasher the other day the account of the sacrifice of Yitzhak. And uh, the account in Jasher is uh, much more detailed and it's much more emotional because, you know, Sarah has a premonition that Abraham is going to sacrifice Yitzhak and she's telling Abraham, take care of him, take care of him. And the discussion between Abraham and Yitzhak at the altar, because Yitzhak, you know, part of the sacrifice was Yitzhak's idea. And so you see that in this case, that uh, all of these people uh, that, you know, both Yitzhak and Abraham were weeping over this idea of the sacrifice, but ultimately they, they spot the ram in the thicket and the ram is sacrificed. And there is a very interesting saying that takes place in the book of Jasher when Abraham is saying, let the blood of this lamb, when you look at the blood of this ram, look at it as though it were the blood of Yitzhak and that the sacrifice has been accomplished because it was the hand of Yah that stopped Abraham <clears throat> from sacrificing Yitzhak. <clears throat> and as a consequence, you get this idea, you, you can finally see very clearly that when a, an animal is sacrificed, the blood that is spilled is the blood that you, the sinner, owe for the sins that you, that, uh, for your own transgressions. And we look to Yah and say, but in this blood, see our blood. Look to this blood as the atonement for my, for my uh, transgression. And ultimately, the blood of Mashiach, we look to the blood of Mashiach as our blood. And we say to Yah, in Mashiach's blood, see our blood that his blood would be complete propitiation for all of the sins that we have done, right? And so once Mashiach's blood is shed, there's no bull, there's no lamb, there's no goat whose blood is going to do a thing. It has nothing to do with, with that anymore. All that stuff is done. And the idea of having three-tenths steel of, of flour mingled with oil all of that was a methodology of doing these. But when it comes to us as a people, uh, we're going to, um, we engage in the sacrifice of prayer. We engage in the sacrifice of prayer as an ascending smoke offering because our prayer as incense. Okay. All right. Okay, so I am going to read the Haftarah in Jeremiah 31. I hope you guys can abide with me on that. And I want to thank you, Victoria. Thank you for that reading. That was an excellent job. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Haftarah, Jeremiah 31, 1 through 19. At the same time, says Yahweh, will I be the Elohim of all the families of Yasharel, and they shall be my people. Thus says Yahweh, the people who were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness 
even Yasharel, when I went to cause him to rest. Yahweh has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin of Yasharel. You shall again be adorned with your tabrets. You shall go forth in the dances of them that make merry. You shall yet plant vines upon the mountain of Shamron. The planters shall plant and shall eat them as common things. For there shall be a day that the Nazarim upon Mount Ephraim shall cry, Arise ye, and let us go up to Zion unto El Yahweh Eloheinu. For thus says Yahweh, Sing with gladness for Yaakov, and shout among the chief of the nations, Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Yahweh, save your people at the remnant of Yasharel. Now, I want to take just one second before we go beyond this point, because I was looking at this passage this morning when I was reading through this, and this is very interesting that, you know, we're told to publish and shout and praise and say, Oh, Yahweh, save your people. Okay. Now, that is Jeremiah 31, 7. Just a minute, I want to look at this. I'm looking at Esword right here. Let's let's all take a look at it, shall we? Just a minute. Let's see if we can pull that up here. There we go. Okay, Jeremiah 31, verse 7. Let's see what it says. Right. So here is the verse. Can you guys see that okay? Okay, so ki beyom, for in that day, ha hu he, right? Maaz shall 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 spurn and shall cast away ish the man, elil for nothing. Kesef, okay, hold on, elil, zahab, asher. Asa lakem yad kem yad kem. Okay, yad. All right. Okay, just a minute. Praise you. Say this is this is Jeremiah thirty-one, correct? Oh, that's because I'm in Isaiah thirty-one. How about we look at Jeremiah thirty-one? That would help. Okay. Jeremiah 31, 7. Ah, okay, now we, we got it going on. Kiko Amer Yahweh. Kiko Amer Yahweh. And thus says Yahweh. Rana. Actually, in this case, it's Ranu. And again, Yaakov. Ranu Yaakov. And so it says, thus says Yahweh. Sing with gladness for Yaakov. La Yaakov, for Yaakov. Masimka, with glee, 
Sahal, be cheerful. Rosha, in your mind, in the head, right? Ha Goyi, a foreign nation, Goyim, right? That's the same. Shama, Shama, here, right? Here. Halalu. You see this? Halalu. And so that is the word that's written there. Now, even though it tells us, strong tells us, halal, it says, oh, the word here is halal. But when we look at the word that as it appears in the Ur text, we see that it is, uh, that the spelling is actually, it's halal, yes. But there is an additional letter at the end. And the additional letter is U. Halalu. And so when we put Ya at the end, Halalu Ya. This is the word, right? So sing praises. Sing praises. Halalu. And Amar. And say yasha of say freely say freely yasha but this is it this is not just yasha to say freely this is save right and so here we see this word save and this is in this particular case the yasha if you look at this word here you see that this is written as the yasha ha like this ha yasha well, what is yasha yasha is the root that is means what to defend to deliver to help to preserve to rescue to bring salvation to be our savior and to get victory. This all comes from this word, Yasha. Okay? And so this is Yasha. Ve'amer Yasha and sing victory. Yawa. Et. Et. Yeah. And this is Amka. Amka is your people. Right? Ka is yours. Ka, the, the, the suffix is ka. Amka, your people. Et, sheyerith. And the remnant, sheyerith. And we talk about the remnant. Let's look at that for a minute so we know. We can, because we always talk about the remnant. Sheyerith, sheyerith. A remnant or residual final portion that had escaped, been left, posterity, remainder, remnant residue or rest the rest of them those that had escaped those that were left the final portion right now you can look at this and you can you can see the masoretic pronunciation they say well this is sherith okay but look at this for a moment we have this idea of shin aleph resh which is Shar. Now, you might recall 
that when there's a yod in front of that, that becomes yashar. Right? And yashar means the upright. Now, we're told that the end is brit, Y-T-H, Y-T-H. So you might even spell it like this, brit. But this is also a plural form. This is a plural form, a feminine plural. Yasharit. And so this is what's left of Yashar, the remnant, right? Yasharit. Yeah, interesting. And then, of course, uh, the last word in this passage is here. Hina. Right? Hither, or thither, there. Okay, so this is a very interesting passage in terms of what they are saying. They're saying here, publish ye and praise ye. Let me put that, the Torah portion back up there so we can see it. So we see here, but thus says Yahweh, thus says Yahweh, sing with gladness, O Yaakov. Shout among the chief of the nations. Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Yahweh, save your people, the remnant of Yasharel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and I will gather them from the coasts of the earth, and with them the blind and the lame, woman with child, and her that travails with child together, a great company shall return thither. They shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the water, the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Yasharel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Yeah. Now, I thought we were said, we were told that Yasharel was his firstborn, that the seed of Yasharel is his firstborn. And so this is a very clear statement that when you look at this again, in, in Genesis, it is told to us that Yasharel is my firstborn son. In Jubilees, it's clarified and it says the seed of Yasharel is my firstborn son. And the rights of the primogenitor of Yasharel were expected to go to Reuben, who was the firstborn son of Leah. But because Reuben went up to his father's couch, 1 Chronicles 5.1, he lost his rights as primogenitor, and primogenitor instead went to Yosef. But when Yosef presented his two sons to Yaakov, Yasharel, on his knee in Genesis 48, Yosef said, let my blessing come over me and pass through to my two sons. And Yasharel blessed Ephraim, putting his right hand on the younger and his left hand on the elder, and said, you are now my adopted sons and will be considered of the house of Yasharel as primary tribes. 
And so the right of the primogenitor passed through to Ephraim. Even though the scepter may be in the hands of Judah, the, the rights of the primogenitor passed through to Ephraim. Hear the word of Yahweh, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off. And say, he that scattered Yasharel will gather him and guard him as a shepherd his flock. For Yahweh has redeemed Yaakov and ransomed him, ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and they shall flow together to the goodness of Yahweh for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and for the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says Yahweh. And thus says Yahweh, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Raquel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus says Yahweh, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says Yahweh, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in your end, says Yahweh, that your children shall come again to their own border. I surely have heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. You have chastised me and I was chastised as a bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke, which is the symbol of Ephraim, the bull. Unaccustomed to the yoke, turn me and I shall be turned for you are Yahweh Elohai. Surely after that I was turned, I repented, and after that I was instructed. I smote upon my thigh, I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Yeah, hallelujah, huh? What a great passage. That's why I had this somebody else to thunder by reading it myself. <laughs> Dr. P. Yes. Um, there's some people who got knocked out and are waiting to get back in. Oh, okay. So I'm going to ask you guys the question. What do you think about that passage? I love that passage. I think the promise is huge. And I think there's a whole bunch of things inside this particular Torah portion. Because we see Abraham, he goes and he says, look, I dug that well at Beersheba, I dug that well, and your guys stole it from me by force, right? By great violence, your guys took it. And Avimelech, and by the way, Avimelech means father king, right? Avimelech, our father, the king, my father, the king, Avimelech. Avimelech says to Abraham, look, don't write me off here. I want you to deal squarely with me. Be fair. Swear seven oaths that you'll be fair. And Abraham says, okay, I'll swear seven oaths, but you took my well. And so here, I'm going to give you these bulls 
and I'm going to these oxen, and I'm going to give you these sheep. But these particular seven ewes right here, you know, I don't know if you've ever been around sheep, but, you know, you pull in seven full-size ewes, you know, it looks like a flock of sheep, you know. Here's seven ewes right here, and I'm giving you these seven ewes with particularity so that you acknowledge right here on the spot with the sevenfold witness that that well belongs to me. And Avi Malek says, yeah, it does. So we see here that Beersheba, wherever Beersheba may be, is rightfully in the hands of Abraham. Now, keep in mind this too. When Abraham was given the covenant land, you know, he walks into this land in the plains of Marah. And Yah says, look to the left, look to the right, look behind you, look to, you know, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. And as far as you can see, this land, good and wide, plentiful with water, capable of raising vineyards and pomegranates and olive yards, full of gemstones, gold, iron, copper. This was this land. I give all this land to you perpetually for generations. Perpetually for generations. And he went south from there to acquire himself a cave, Marat Makpila, and to dig a well at Beersheba, a well that was his forever and ever. Now, when we look at this, we know a couple of things. We know that, that the house of Yasharel in their sojourning were in a land that was full of gemstones because the priests had 12 different kinds of gems on their eightfold. This is well described in the Torah. You shall have this, you have this topaz, you shall have this emerald, you shall have this diamond. All these gemstones. Well, where in Iraq or in, in modern-day Lebanon or in modern-day Jordan did they find these gemstones? No. I know where. Where was it, Catherine? Africa. Africa. That's where they're headed even to this very day, am I right? Whether you're talking about diamonds, rubies, emeralds, tanzanite, whatever you might be talking about. Yeah, exactly. Africa. All those gemstones named in the Torah are found in Africa. So they would have had to have gone into Africa to have collected those. Yeah, and and the thing is, when you talk about the land of copper, gold, iron, that is uh, described as the land of the milk, milk and honey, where's the copper, gold, and iron? Now, I know when I started publishing this, Israel came out and said, oh, we found gold, copper, and iron at Eilat, right, which is the north of the mouth of the Red Sea. And, you know, yeah, right. Uh, you know, they, there's always a story to accompany the, the deal. But when you talk about, you know, for instance, uh, the gold that was found in Africa is ridiculous. And even like I was watching uh, Michael Tellinger and he found all these circles, all these rock circles in Zimbabwe and Southern Africa. And he says, there's like over 10,000 of these circles. Well, okay. And he has no idea what they are. But I'll tell you what I believe they are. They were sluice boxes. 
and they were used they, they would flush water down these channels and they would flush the dirt in these channels and then the dirt would go over these stones and it would leave the gold behind us they sluiced it and these these were king solomon's mines and you know and even though that i know our fellow the god channel i think is the name of it he has been broadcasting for some time that the philippines is the land of ophir and I'm just not sure of that at all. I think the land of Ophir was probably in Southern Africa where there was enormous amounts of gold. But the problem is there was also, there also has to be copper present and there has to be iron present. And when you look at this, at the discussion of between Lot and Abraham, Lot was in a land that was uh, abounded with water. You know, where this is where he elected to stay was a place that water was plentiful. And, you know, how can you say water was plentiful in, in Jordan where it's just high and dry? There's very little water there. And so, you know, anyway, it, it appears to me that we've got some a different equation going on here. Now, when we so when we look at this provision that that uh, the house of Ephraim and the house of the whole of the house of Yasharel. And what we saw is the Sharit, the remnant, Yasharit, Yasharot, the remnant. They're going to be brought back to a land of Zion, but they're going to be brought back to a land from the North Country. Now, one of the things that has occurred to me recently that's kind of shocked me is that, you know, today in Israel is Rosh Hashanah. In fact, this Torah portion is called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is New Year's Day. Now, this wasn't New Year's Day under the Torah. New Year's Day under the Torah is the first of Aviv, which is in usually March, sometimes April, but usually it's in March. Now, how is it that the first day of the seventh month became New Year's Day after they went to Babylon? And the answer is because Babylon was in the Southern Hemisphere. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? Because technically, I mean, when if you look at the calendar, if the biblical calendar is a calendar that says, well, and the barley's in Aviv, which can also mean, you know, the 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 uh, the appearance of Spica in the left hand of Virgo appearing above the event horizon in the sky, when you can see Spica in the sky, this is the barley in Aviv. Well, for us, we see Spica above the event horizon in March. But in the Southern Hemisphere, they see Spica above the event horizon now in September. So if this were the case, then the barley is in Aviv. And if the barley is in Aviv, you can see why this would be the first month of the year. Because what is it? Time, what time is it now in South Africa? It's time to plant because it's spring. It's spring. And so as a result, the this change to Rosh Hashanah among the community had to happen because Babylon was below the equator. Now, for Babylon to be below the equator puts Babylon in a very interesting place because it can't possibly be in Iraq. It Can I say something? Go ahead, Catherine. Sorry to interrupt you. With the research I've been doing in the Ark and looking at ancient rivers, the Euphrates, um, was not called the Euphrates at all. It had an ancient name. I think it started with a B. 
but I'd have to research that again. So I think modern men, the last several hundred years, renamed all the different rivers. Yeah, I think the Euphrates in, in the scripture was actually the Nile. Because there's something really odd with ancient research doesn't seem to be matching up. What I've discovered in the Ark does not be, seem to be matching up with names, with the modern names. And um, I forget now what the the Euphrates was called. But my question is, well, Yah would have known, modern man would have made the changes. We know modern day Euphrates is drying up. So is he talking about the modern Euphrates, even though we know the ancient Euphrates was in Africa? I don't think so. If the, if the ancient Euphrates was really the Nile, there is a chance that, the, in fact, there, there was almost a war that broke out because Ethiopia has built a massive dam on the Nile. And at any time, Ethiopia can shut off the water and the Nile dries up. At any time, that can happen. Things from the east, right? But the, the most amazing thing, finding one of the ancient maps of Africa, where Ethiopia is today, that's not where Ethiopia was in Africa. Right, yeah. In ancient times. I mean, Ethiopia was massive, massive. And... Um, well, it referred to it all was, of Central Africa. It referred to all of Just Central about, Africa. yeah, literally. And yeah. the thing is, is that, you know, what I would say to us is this, is that the narrative that we have been given and this is a, you know, I was talking with Ricky about this last night. He said, you know, the, the discoveries you're making right now of Christianity is not going to be able to deal with it. They're not going to be able to accept it. You know, particularly, uh, you know, the, the, because the mindset is this is the truth we've been handed. And it's like, it's very difficult for the Christian world to understand that the name Jesus didn't appear until 1789. You know, nobody at the time of King James, King James, King James used the word Jesus. John Calvin didn't use it. King James didn't use it. Uh, Miles Coverdale didn't use it. Tyndale didn't use it. They all used Jesus. And Jesus is still the name used in, in the Eastern Orthodox community. They use Jesus. So this name Jesus was a construct that came out of the Germanic rule that took over in Britain in the Glorious Revolution in 1689. And it took 100 years before that became part of the literature. It was Benjamin Blaney's edition of the King James Bible in 1789 that the first time we see the formal appearance of the J in Jesus. But you can't tell that to Christians because they think that Paul was preaching in the name of Jesus. And he most assuredly was not. That, that simply was not the name. May I say, may I say that concerning Africa before we get so far away from it? Yeah, sure, David. What what we're seeing in Africa now is uh, it looks like France and the United States is getting booted out of Africa, and them plundering the uh, the resources and the people of Africa. And that's at this uh, this it's not random. 
it's an appointed time for that land to become a different in a possession of uh, another possession, not not of a plundering of these uh, nations. These I don't know. I'm gonna call them some dark forces. But now returning to a, a land that is uh, going to have a different kind of dominion over it. It's an appointed time. I, I'm, I'm awful thrilled about what we're talking about there. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, David, I'll tell you, you're right about this. And when you look at this, what's happening in Africa right now, there's a number of things that are not just happening in Africa, but they're happening worldwide. And we as a remnant need to understand these things. There was a hurricane that just went right up the gut of the Mediterranean. Went right up the middle of the Mediterranean. I mean, you had a massive earthquake that broke out in Morocco, killed thousands. And then this hurricane came right up the middle of the Mediterranean, 10, 11,000 dead in Libya, 20,000 injured. This is, a, you know, huge what, what took place in Libya. It hit Greece, this hurricane with floods. And then it ended up, uh, uh, a friend, a person I know in Safed, Israel, was showing a video of the winds blowing through Israel at the tail end of this hurricane. This hurricane went right through the middle of the Mediterranean. But we're seeing massive changes in the worldwide dynamic in terms of world currents. You know, all these floodings that are taking place all over China and Japan and all over Europe, these floods that are inordinate. What's going on here? And it's because Yah is now shifting the whole of the world to comport with his decision, not our decision. And even they have, and, and Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong, but recently Britain experienced being covered with sand blown up from the Sahara and blown into Britain. Yeah, and, we do get that occasionally. The, the winds are so strong. We get fine dust over the cars and it's happened quite a number of times whilst I've been um, living here. Well, we know but, um, that the Sahara, going back and looking at some of the maps from the 1500s, the Sahara was green. There was a huge mm -hmm. river running through there. There were massive lakes there. It was green as mm -hmm. as as, mm -hmm. late as the early 1500s. It and was. Yah can do what he wants. If Yah wants to cover a wilderness with sand, he can cover it with sand. If he wants to cover a place that's currently inhabitable with ice, he can cover it with ice. If he wants to flood a place out and put it underwater, he can do it. And he can take the dry places, the desert, and cause water to spring up in the desert. So, you know, uh, so I, I met a friend in, in uh, South Africa, and uh, he bought a farm in what's called the Western Cape. And the Western Cape is north of uh, the Southern Cape, which is where Cape Town is. And it's up going into the Kalahari Desert. And so his expectation was going to be that when I got up there, this is going to be dry land and we're going to have to do a very limited irrigation. In fact, one of the guys that was talking to the saying, the irrigation technique you do is just like if you have a child that you use, you know, root irrigation systems and you give them a little bit to drink in the morning and you give them a little bit to drink at noon and you give them a little bit to drink in the evening. And this is a sufficient enough water to water your crops. Well, James wrote me this year and he said, oh, yeah, Cape Town was flooded with water this year. The water was gushing all over the place. And there was water all over the northern part of the Cape 
that his crops were all green and he was having an absolutely blessed time because there was so much water. And this is because this is Yah's doing, right? And because Yah is changing the world right now and he's changing it. And I don't think he's changing it in wrath, but he's changing it because it's his plan. It's his world. It belongs to him. It does not belong to us. And the bullies that we have in the world that have been running around punching everybody else in the face and telling them what to do, their time is coming to an end. It's coming to an end and, and you can see it. And, and this is what's going on. And the bullies are now going, oh, what? Yeah, you know, you're getting beaten and you're getting beaten because the whole world is turned against you because you would not let up because you thought you had the right to go to the meek of the earth and beat them in the face with your fist. And when you came out and said, oh, well, we're going to take away everything you own and you're going to be happy about it. And we're going to come in and expose you to this pharmacia, this sorcery that we want to impose on the whole world so that we can label you, put you, you know, put nanobots in your body, track you, uh, uh, coalesce you, put you under a social credit system, lock you down in a techno, techno fascist digital prison forever and ever and ever while we take everything you own and cut off your food. And then while you while we're doing this and locking you in this techno-fascist prison, then we have a bunch of people in the sexually defiled community come out and start singing in unison, we're coming for your children. And they really think that the meek are going to sit back and go, okay, everything's fine. Go for it, Klaus. We're just waiting for you, Bill. Uh, yeah, have at it. Take our stuff. Kill us. In mass, we're all we're good with your program. Let's all smile and do a TED talk. Eh? And you know what? You know who isn't doing the TED talk? Yah is not doing the TED talk. Yah is saying, You make your plans, and then I'll give you El Nino. You make your plans, and I'll put a hurricane in your living room. You make your plans, and I'll put 150 mile an hour winds right through your radio towers. You make your plans, and watch what happens. And when the world gets to a point that they have created their techno-fascist prison, their digital prison called the beast, and that you're required to take on the mark of that beast in order to be able to buy and sell, which is where we are right now. You know that's where they are. You know that's where they are. Oh, you, I'm sorry, you can't come into the store. You need to scan your face. You need to scan your hand. You need to scan your biometric ID. And guess what? We can tell with your biometric ID whether or not you've had nanobots injected into your bloodstream like we required you to do. That isn't the mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell. I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to enter into the store. I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to buy gasoline. I'm sorry, you no longer have a bank account. Your social credit score is too low. We had to close your bank account. Your social credit score is too low. You're not going to be able to come into the hospital. Your social credit score is too low. You can't get on the subway. Right? So here we are. That's the situation we have right now. And Yah has said, 
wait. Wait until they have taken everything from you. You can no longer drive a car. You have to get into a self-driving car. There's no longer a pilot in the aircraft. The pilot is the, the plane is being flown remotely from somebody in a tower back in some city. There's no longer any directions given. It's all being done digitally. There's no longer anyone at the supermarket checking out your food. It's being done digitally. There's no like we even have a we got a situation going on where I live right now. They're putting in four-lane road that, that's coming out in our direction. It's a nightmare. And all of the you know, we have a bunch of operating engineers out there, right? So you've got bulldozers and graders and front-end loaders and, you know, the rollers and all the rest of it. And these guys are all complaining because every one of their machines are set up on AI-driven computers. So they get in, they get in the grader and they don't set the blade. The blade is set by the computer using some leveling system that is attached to a GPS that is telling them how to how to blade the road. So this is what so that these guys don't even they're just sitting there going looking at the controls going yeah it's working it's working that's all they're there to do in these graders and bulldozers. I was shocked to learn this right, but this is how they're building the road. And it's all being taken away. It, it, it's all being, I mean, you know, you're going to go into the courtroom and it's not going to be a judge there. You're going to be speaking into an audio system and AI is going to be coming back at you. You're, people are already going into churches to hear sermons being delivered by AI. Hollywood has already switched over to have all of their scripts written by AI and they're producing movies now where they create the characters in AI, you're not seeing an actual person. I don't know if you saw the, the latest Indiana Jones movie. But when you see the Indiana Jones movie, it's worth seeing just to check this out. The opening scenes is got Harrison Ford in like out clips from the original Indiana Jones movie, which was what, 81 or something? I don't know, it was back in the 80s, maybe it was late 70s even. But the very first Indiana Jones, these out clips do not exist. They created them. And all of the actors and, and actresses that you see during that section are completely AI. There was no human being doing any of it. It's all AI, all of it. And so this is why the screenwriters are on strike right now, because the entirety of Hollywood can be completely replaced with AI. Completely. They just had, uh, somebody just wrote a praise song. AI just wrote a praise song that I heard the other day. I didn't think much of it, but they've got, somebody has just released a, released a single, Disney has released a single called Domino. And it's completely written by AI and performed by an AI performer that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. And so, you know, you're seeing the arts being overtaken. You're going to see all the service jobs being overtaken. You're going to see virtually everything be completely overtaken. And when it's overtaken, have, you know, when we were sold this bill of digital goods back in the early 80s, we were told, this is going to be a labor-saving device. This is going to greatly help us. We're going to be able to save labor. Now, I don't know why we'd want to save labor, because then what do we do? Sit around and play video games? You know? And what has happened is, as it saved labor, the elite look at us and say, you guys are all useless eaters. We don't need you at all. 
We don't need truck drivers. We don't need airline pilots. We don't need cab drivers. We don't need people working in supermarkets. They're saying 1.4 million jobs will be replaced with AI in the United States next year. 1.4 million jobs. You know, we don't need you working the counter at McDonald's. We don't even need you fixing the food in the back. Can all be automated, completely automated. Customer comes in, walks up to the kiosk, bam, 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 bam. Next thing you know, the food comes out of a little chute. There's not even a human being there at all. So. And uh, yeah, go ahead, Randall. They started this a long time ago when they started automating the, um, you know, like the um, automobile, the factories and started automating. I mean, this has been, you know, been ramping up for some time. When they, they start automating all of the uh, manufacturing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And now, well, go ahead. It's like, well, you know, bowling a frog. You know, you, <laughs> he's not going to do it all at once. He's going to do it slow and when, where people don't notice. Yeah, well, the frog's boiled now. Yeah, totally. And I think there's, <laughs> I don't think there's any coming back out of it. I mean, there was a time when we thought, Okay, well, let's see if we can talk the United States into repentance. There's no repentance in the Western world. There's none. There's a hook in the jaw of the West dragging us into calamity. And there's no abating. There's no stopping. There's no turning away from it. It's not going to happen. And so the only thing that's happening now is what we saw here. Yah has called out his remnant. And his remnant are going to call upon him for salvation. They're going to praise, worship, and declare his name. And Yah is going to hear his people. And he's going to bring them from the north country and restore them in the land of Zion. And it's going to be with great blessing that this is going to happen. And so as for uh, the rest of the world, we can see what's going on. But you see, remember, what does Yah say? He's going to destroy the beast with the breath of his coming. And Revelations 12. What you're talking about is Revelations 12, when the woman is uh, talking about the woman fleeing to the wilderness, mm -hmm. and then the devil pouring out a flood to over, overthrow the woman. Well, then what happens? He raises up a standard. He raises up a standard of the, of the remnant that has the testimony of his voice, the testimony of Yahusha. And then the devil realizes, man, these are the ones that are really threatening me. And so turns to make war on that remnant. Now it talks about in Revelations 12, it talks about times, times, and half a time. It talks about all of that. Right. And, and it's amazing. It's we're, we're seeing what we're talking about right here. He's, it's, we're, we're in that drama. Hallelujah. Well, I'm, I'm, I got excited. Forgive me for interrupting. No, no, Dave, it's perfectly fine. You know, and what you're saying there, I think, is is uh, is right on it here, because what we're going to see now is that this war is going to turn on the remnant. It's going to turn very quickly. And what's likely to happen, I think what we're going to see happen, is you're going to see this Orthodox community that is in Russia is going to ultimately prevail over Europe. And when it prevails over Europe, it is going to put to death Rome and it's and the serpent and it will crush the head of the serpent but the problem is when orthodoxy rises orthodoxy is going to look at us we're going to be anathema to orthodoxy 
how come you guys don't keep Easter? How come you guys don't keep the Sunday Sabbath? How come you guys don't engage in, in the worship of the Holy Trinity? Right? All of these questions are going to be on the table. And we will be anathema to orthodoxy. And the Christian world, what's left of the Christian world, is going to turn on us. And it's going to say, those people. They're using, you know, literally what one group has put out lately is that those who call upon the why names are summoning demons. That's what they've said. And, uh, you know... Isn't that the dominion of the false prophet uh, making war against the Kodesh shame? Absolutely. The, domin the dominion of the false prophet that's going to the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Well, I get I'm going to cook up. I'm quiet again. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, Christine, would you like to say something here before we get to the Bessera portion? Yes. You asked for responses to the Jeremiah reading. Yeah. Um, I was struck by verse nine. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way wherein they shall not stumble. And it brought to mind your um, example of what if the the exodus goes, instead of the Red Sea, it goes across the Atlantic, which is dry and with the water's piled up for a thousand feet and, and it's a thousand miles across. And I'm thinking, oh, if it takes three days to walk a hundred miles, then that means 30 days to walk a thousand miles. And... It would be a major miracle for me to walk one mile. So um, then Thursday, I ran across this verse from Psalm 77, 19. Your way is in the sea and your path in the great waters and your footsteps are not known. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Christine. I mean, now I'm envisioning that right now. I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully there's a shallow spot in the Atlantic we can follow and it'll be a short range, uh, short range path. Uh, because I'll tell you that uh, the business of walking, you know, past what's left of the Titanic is a little bit terrifying for me. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Well, thank you, Christine. That's great. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, Violetta Dudek, are you here, Violetta? Yes, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat um, Shalom. I have only one um, added to your speech about the weather, because I think the weather is manipulated, mm -hmm. and many people know about it. And I think Yah has, of course, his hand on that, but still, um, the weather manipulation is our problem. Yeah, I, and I tend to I agree with you there, Violeta. I agree with you that the um, the weather is being manipulated. I mean, there is no question that uh, HARP is being used. The high uh, high altitude antenna array is being used. There is no question about that. I know that's what's going on, and there's other weather, weather manipulation that's happening too. But I still believe that a lot of what's also happening is in the hands of Yah. And even, even though these guys may think, well, we're not in the hands of Yah, we're satanic, and we're doing this, that, and the other thing. Even Satan does the will of Yah. At mm -hmm. all times. It's, like, it's not like, gee, I didn't know that Satan was going to do that. Yah knows what he's what he's going to do. And when people think they're operating on behalf of Satan, or, you know, let's go out and defile the society while we worship Satan. Yah intends that as part of his judgment. 
part of him giving over the world to a reprobate mind. That's part of what's going on. And, you know, and to the extent that people allow uh, the Satan worship among them, this stuff is certain to come to them because he, he has allowed it. Why? Because people didn't love the truth and Yah gives them over to a great delusion because they did not love the truth. He gives them over to a reprobate mind and their reprobate mind brings things into their own community that they didn't even know they're doing. I didn't know I was doing that. I was just trying to do this. Well, you're not, first of all, any Satanist is not inspired of Yah. They're inspired of their carnality. They're inspired of their flesh. And they do things that they think is going to edify their flesh, but it turns out to be death. They bring death because they worship death because they did not worship the, the giver of life. And so death is what comes, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're right about that, but I don't think that it's all uh, just in the hands of weather manipulators. I think there's also the hand of Yah working on the earth. And like I say, when this when this beast system gets into its full bloom, where they've literally replaced everything that man used to do with the with their digital world, then Yah is going to extinguish the whole thing with the breath of his coming in one shot. All the chips are fried, all the grid is fried, all their cell towers are fried, everything's gone. One shot. And they have to rebuild it from the ground up. And when they go to rebuild it from the ground up, guess what? There isn't going to be a single person that knows how to do it because they put it all in the brains of AI. There won't be a single person that knows, well, how do we do that? I don't know. I wasn't trained in that. What were you trained in? Sitting around playing video games with my virtual reality goggles on and being a useless eater, being fed insects in a little prison cell in some 15-minute city. That's what the world's going to be when Yah completely terminates the beast. And then what? Then what do you do? They're not going to have the slightest idea what to do. And I can, you can rest assured they're not going to be able to rebuild the world that they've built. That's their problem. That's what they've done. Brian, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. Shalom, Ma. Oh, my... Um... When you, this conversation you're talking about, I just want to ask you a question. I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm just saying I'm going to throw it out there. But anyway, a couple of scriptures that come to my mind, whatever could be shaken would be shaken. What is up is down. What is black is white. Um, you know, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth of both this time. He said, whatever, uh, is, what's coming has never uh, been, been before, will never be again. And there's three major events that's happened in the, uh, in the scriptures. One, the Noah's flood. Joshua's long day and Ezekiah, the, the sun moving back 10 steps. So what I'm going to ask you is, is it possible that we've gone to one or more polar shifts, which would cause east to be west or west to be east or north to be south and south to be north? So technically what you're, you know, because you brought up, you know, in the southern hemisphere, it's the beginning of the year, but it's here, it's the end of the year for us. We're in of our harvester. It's the beginning of their harvest season. So my question is, have you, ever, have you ever considered that any of these events could have, or all, could have been a polar shift? Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the polar shift, you know, again, uh, and of course, there's people that, a lot of people have talked about the polar shift. And, uh, and there's, I think, a lot of speculation about the polar shift, what it will do. 
I'm not convinced that the polar shift will do what people think it will do because, you know, people are under the impression, well, if the pole shift and all of a sudden that's going to reverse the oceans or do this, reverse the winds and so on. I'm not sure about that at all. I mean, I just think mm -hmm. you get the shift and it's what, what was, what was going around like this is now going around, mm -hmm. like this, you know? And uh, so, uh, but the polar shift, I do think there is a, a shifting going underway right now. I mean, we've had, we've seen the magnetic pole mm -hmm. move from Braniff Island. When I was a kid, it was on the North shore of Braniff Island. Mm -hmm. And now it's off the coast of Siberia. Right. Quite a shift. Right. And because it reminds me of a scripture in Revelation that says, Hold back the winds until I seal my servants. Yeah. So we have to be sealed in order to go through what is about to happen. Mm -hmm. It's a thought, food for thought. That's all I have. <laughs> no, that's very good. That's very good, Brian. And so I think what you're saying is, is that it's possible that the that the poles had shifted at the time of the captivity, and that that is why we ended up with the Rosh Hashanah, even though it may have been in the northern hemisphere, but it was actually in the southern hemisphere at the time, right? Is that, is it, that's what I'm saying. I'm the only person. I've always said this to my a couple of close friends. I've never said this publicly, but I've been thinking that for a long time. What if we're off six months? What if what if the beginning of the year really is in the this time of year, not in spring, in March? It's a very possibility that we were in a different hemisphere. Maybe the the promised land was in the southern hemisphere at one time. It that's it just throwing it out there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and the more I the more I look at this is this is what I think. You know, I mean, one of the things that happened to me in South Africa uh, is. Um, uh, Michelle Moeller, who is our distributor out of Cape Town, she publishes a calendar and she published the halal calendar. And she said, you know, is this appropriate? Because the halal calendar, of course, starts today. And I said, and I got to thinking about it. And I said, well, I mean, what am I going to say? I'm here in the Southern Hemisphere. Why wouldn't you follow the halal calendar as this being the first of the year, particularly in terms of its agricultural rhythm? You know, the agricultural rhythm is very, very clear. And when I look at the calendar, when I come to understand the calendar, the natural calendar is given to us that we would have agricultural reckoning. I mean, you go back and look, you're talking about harvesting the barley, then you're talking about harvesting the wheat, then you're talking about harvesting the grape and the olive. You know, all of these things are directly tied to the three feast days. They're directly tied. And so given those circumstances, you know, it's an agricultural calendar very clearly. And and it's to the point that, you know, why does the Farmer's Almanac work and the Gregorian calendar doesn't? Because the Farmer's Almanac was solely lunar. They looked at the natural rhythms of reality to be able to predict what was going to happen agriculturally. But that agricultural calendar is given to us in scripture. And uh, so, and I do think that there is, this is about the only reckoning I can find. And the only thing that I can think of that gives us this new year on this particular day is the fact that when they were in Babylon, they were in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got one last thing, though. So the scripture says that Joshua crossed the Jordan going from east to west. Right. Okay, the scripture records that. So if we went through a polar shift since then, that could mean that could be any direction, because we went 90 degrees, that could be now north, or that could be now west, or that, you know what I'm saying? You, you yeah, see what I'm man. saying? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, this has been proposed by other people too that there may have been some kind of a shift going on and you know and and the polar shift 
may not have been a complete shift too. It may not have been like a total inversion. You know what I'm saying? That the poles went from, instead of being in the Arctic Ocean and the Antarctic Ocean, that the right. shifted to being somewhere in the middle of the Indian Ocean and Correct. in the middle of uh, the Atlantic. Right. Right. Because they're, yeah, they're finding lots of things on Antarctica, which is a continent, which is under snow. So, you know, it, obviously there was a time when that wasn't under snow. Very clearly. In fact, there's ancient maps that uh, give the, give the coastline exact. And the only way they could have done that is if there was no ice. And they're finding, of course, stuff that was constructed down there and so on and so forth. So I think, right. again, one of the things we see in studying history is that the history we've been told in school is just a bunch of fabricated nonsense. It, I mean, for the most part, it's just absolutely baloney. And, you know, and usually what you're taught, you know, like when, when I was in at the university, we had to take Western civilization. That was a mandatory one-year class. You had to take American history for a year and you had to take Western civilization. And Western civilization was nothing more than the history of the Roman church, period. They, they weren't interested in what happened in orthodoxy. They weren't interested in have what happened in the secular world. They were interested in what Rome did. And so all the, as Voltaire said, history is nothing more than a, a list of all of those who have accommodated themselves with the property of others. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, okay. Voltaire was a bit of a cynic on it, but he correctly, right. he correctly assessed it, you know. Right. But, but since we have abandoned Rome's view and said, okay, let's get away from Rome. I mean, Rome tells us that Europe had no knowledge of North America. No one knew of North America. Mm -hmm. Christopher Columbus discovered it in 1492. Right. And we know that now is complete baloney. Right. Solomon knew of North America, for heaven's sakes. Right? Only right. Rome. Only right. Rome coming out of the Dark Ages didn't know of North America. Everybody mm -hmm. else did. Right? right? But this is the narrative we're given. So... And, but Oh, yeah. no, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Uh, so my wife reminded me, if I forget, that a few years ago, I think it's been about eight, ten years ago now, Florida had to renumber their runways. That's right. Because so I think we might be going through a, a, a and it might not be as violent and as fast as people think. This, it could be a slow thing, so you wouldn't notice it. it we, we definitely are going through a pole shift, and, and as a result, we see inordinate weather. Weather that used to be predictable, the weather's going to be like this here isn't because there's different stuff happening there's different weather patterns coming in because shifts are being made and when you get to a certain point where you get the currents in the ocean changing their motion when the currents in the ocean change their motion this is when you get to a point where you're going to see really dramatic shifts now there's stuff going on right now i mean i've been watching this el nino thing for instance in britain here this in the, this last week catherine was telling me their temperatures were like way up, upper 80s, 90s, you know, for our temperature. And 90 degrees in September in Britain is highly unusual. We've had water temperatures off the coast of the Aleutian chain that have been 40 degrees above normal off the Aleutian chain. What's going on here, right? And so as a result, you see all these inordinate things, these massive hurricanes where there's never been a hurricane seen before. Tornadoes where there's never been tornadoes seen before, uh, you know, uh, like that hurricane that just came up the California coast, for heaven's sakes, you know, so we're seeing a lot of stuff that hasn't occurred before. And the expectation of the believer is that 
there's going to be things that have not been seen before that are going to be seen now because Yah is doing things on this earth. Yah is doing things. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Brian, for that. Thank you. Blackie, have you got something for us? Hey, Dr. P. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. I, I had a question on the um, on these feasts coming up. I know like in um, Passover, uh, like you want to keep the feast to eat like a lamb uh, roasted over a fire. Is there one coming up for these feasts for this couple of weeks? Well, actually, eating a lamb over the fire on Passover is no longer required. If you want to eat a lamb, eat a lamb. If you want to eat beef, eat beef. But there should be no lamb sacrificed for Passover because the lamb of Yah has already been sacrificed. And so Passover is recognized really with bread and wine. It is the covenant of Melchizedek. And this is a covenant of contract between you and Yah. Because the renewed covenant, the Brit Hadashah, that's talked about in Jeremiah 31, it's also talked about in Hebrews 8.8, 8, and it's also mentioned in the book of Acts. The Brit Hadashah is a covenant between Yah and Yahusha. It's not between Yah and mankind because mankind breaks every covenant he ever makes. It's between the Father and the Son. And that covenant is perfect and it's unbreakable. And we become third-party beneficiaries of that contract by taking of the cup and eating of the bread. Remember what Mashiach put the cup up, he said, This is the renewed covenant in my blood and so as a consequence you can eat lamb if you want but it is not critical to the Pesach what's critical to the Pesach is that you be a part of the covenant language and and we talk about this you know like the the Haftarah that is part of the Pesach is a little bit more difficult now because we have to look at a Haftarah that includes all of scripture not just the mosaic story. Okay, I'm going to keep moving on. But yeah, but in terms of uh, in terms of the practices of Teruah and Yom Kippur and uh, tabernacles, no, there's not going to be any animal sacrifice. But there is the blowing of trumpets for Yom Teruah, which is today. We had a, Ezra blow us, give us a shofar, a blast. It was fantastic, and uh, there is a great celebration in Yom Teruah. But it is a time of affliction. We're going to afflict our souls for the next 10 days to account to ourselves and before Yah as to the nature of our sin and make this known to Yah that we have seen our sin and that we repent of our sin and that our heart is broken over our sin because we seek to do the things that our Father has asked us to do. Right? And it's not that our works are going to admit us into heaven but that we love the Father and he's asked us to do these things. And that's why we do them. And so this is why we afflict our souls. And then five days after that, we come into tabernacles. And tabernacles is a great feast because the word tabernacled among us, the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. And let us celebrate what that is. Okay, thank you, Blackie. Okay. Thank you. Let me get this going here. Okay. Now let's... Uh, uh, if we can, Vern, did you want to say something here, brother? Yeah, first of all, I want to, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Vern. 
I did have problems with my first of all I want to praise you because as the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter. Amen. And he's pouring out his occupying people. I can see it everywhere. And I just want to praise him for that. Okay, now for the dark side. When I turned on the Zoom meeting this morning, there was a thing that popped up and it said, you need an update. And one of the updates was AI is going to be controlling certain things. I don't know what it was. It didn't stay there long enough for me to click out of it. Just wanted to let you know that that's happening. Was that uh, was that a Zoom update? You're saying that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something we'll have to think about. We may have to change platforms. You know, that's also been talked about. There's some platforms that are being proposed that do not have the backroom protocol that Zoom does. We're using it for the time being, but we may have to change that. But thank you for bringing that to our attention, Bern. Very important point. Eh? Thank you. All right. Angelo, before I come back to you, brother, let's go to, let me talk to a couple other people who come back to you, Angelo, okay? Okay, let's go. Uh, Doug Fassett, how are you, brother? Almost there. You got to unmute there. There, there we go. There you are. There we go. Trying to control the mouse is a little difficult. At any rate, um, as you know that I do uh, Bible codes. Yeah. And I came along, I looked for one very special one because um, looking at Daniel 12, we have 1,290 days, and uh, when the uh, Mark of the Beast came out, the World Health Organization on March 11th, 2020, announced the uh, global pandemic, and of course, uh, uh, Trump came on the on the television and announced the nation that the world, the WHO had done this. While a lot of people will argue that, well, that he the vaccine didn't come out, but it was already it was already planned. It had already been developed. Right. So I look at that date that it was said. That, uh, you know, any building project they have, uh, you know, they take the uh, and uh, do the first shovel pool of, um, of, of a building project. In other words, you turn over the first first earth. That's yeah, ribbon, a, a ribbon breaking ceremony. Right. A ribbon breaking ceremony. So I look at the uh, 11th of, of uh, March. 2020 as a ribbon breaking ceremony because they had this plan for a long time and they just went on with the plan. So that um, 1,290 days uh, comes to fulfillment on September 23rd of this year. Is that right? And I know that you you are of the opinion that the conjunction 
is the start of the next month. That happened on Thursday. So if Thursday was the first day of the month, Friday was the second, today is the third day, seven days from now is the 10th day of the month or Yom Kippur. So, um, and that puts then, us about the 23rd? The 23rd, one week from today, seven days from today. Then, if you count another 45 days from then for the uh, 1,335 days, that is November the 6th of this year, would be that, that time. And we know what type of celebration goes on around then, because that's the uh, that's a, the uh, uh, Halloween. That's the uh, um, the fifth uh, of November type type uh, destruction and all that, where they try to decapitate the um, parliament and the king. Yeah, remember, remember the fifth of November. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, all of that showed up in there, along with the uh, virtually everything that's in the uh, Ezekiel 9, um, where the man with the inkhorn, the, uh, the start of the inkhorn is at exactly the same spot as the uh, 1,290 days. And it ends at the line that has 1,335 days. Yeah, interesting. So what you're saying here, Doug, is that the code indicates that the angel with the inkhorn is going to be sealing the servants of Yah. With, yes. With the Tav. With the Tav. Mm -hmm. And that this is going to begin on Yom Kippur and going to continue until the 5th of November. Actually, I think it's already started um, because it's a, a little bit wider than uh, than um, it's like uh, Yom Kippur is kind of in the middle of it. Okay, so it begins maybe. So, Sukkot is Sukkot is in the middle of of these of these uh, things. It's like a uh, you know one is up here at this level and the other is down here. And right in the middle is the uh, um, Sukkot. So it may start at at uh, the Yom Kippur, but uh, it, uh, Sukkot is in the middle. And if we know that it's from uh, from the, uh, the the first to uh, um, we're we're about in the middle of it. Yeah, well, it's very interesting code. Very interesting code that the uh, angel with the inkhorn is now marking his people right and the uh and the uh the uh the line where Sukkot is and the Sukkot shows up twice in there as a um as a a, a marker in there is two times there is two um whirlwinds tempest storm at a skip of four that are intertwined into each other so there's and last year on september 25th uh i had the revelation that uh 
I had a, a, a powerful revelation at that time. My whole body was shaking and I heard the voice that said, I am coming on the storm, revel in my glory. And I just started vibrating and, and, uh, and uh, um, I, I told, told my friends and all of that about that happening. And I think I told you at the time this last year that uh, uh, that had happened. So um, it shows storms coming and it looks like storms coming on, sh on, uh, on Sukkot. On Sukkot. On Sukkot. Two storms intertwined with each other. It was like uh, they've been talking about this hurricane that's uh, 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 what Lee was going to meet up with another one. Well, that really didn't happen, and it's pretty much passed. And it's it's giving dumping a lot of rain on uh, on Maine and and New Brunswick and and uh, that area. But it doesn't look like it's it's not over this far in, into uh, Vermont. And we've had an awful lot of rain, but uh, that's what it looks like. There's an awful lot in there. And uh, I intend to publish it, um, but I don't want to put it out there basically for the general public because I don't think that it's it's only for the remnant. And I think that uh, the timing on this is is. I've 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 shown it all to uh, to my small group of of, of friends that uh, we've been studying all this, and uh, that's basically what it's showing. It's it's coming. Yeah, well, I really appreciate your sharing it with us, Doug. Uh, you know, Doctor P. Yes, hi, Raina. Haxamea. Haxamea want to say something um i've always known uh, sukkot is the feast of dependency on yah the feast of dependency on yah yeah beautiful ken so well you know i mean what this storm could be could be a lot of things doug it could right. be a solar storm you know it could be a solar storm a, a giant cme uh and uh, you know, Yah is going to be capable of, Yah is totally capable of completely destroying this beast system with the breath of his coming. I mean, very simple. Poof, it's gone. And well, poof, it's gone. One of, one of, the, one of the important things that, that he showed me in this is that the, um, the inkhorn, the mark of the inkhorn is going to be put on us, but if that starts basically at uh, Yom Kippur, we have 10 days to get ready for it and 10 days to get ourselves clean to receive that mark. So I think he's going to start putting it, putting it on, but we have to be ready. We have to be clean. Yeah. Doug, can well, I ask you a question? Sure, go ahead. Uh, Doug? Yes? 
Um, we have a polar vortex coming in on the 22nd over here. Does that have anything to do with it? I think all of those things have to do with it. There is all kinds of things going on. There is a, I don't know if you ever bothered with that. Uh, there's a person that talks about the My Pet Goat 2, and that talks about uh, September 23rd. And there's loads and loads of things that talk about September 23rd. So, um, Three days of darkness, maybe? Yeah, I think that too. I think we're we're getting ready for for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, just coming go, go ahead. Um, Doug mentioned that Yar's been talking to me about a couple of things Doug's been going on about. Um, the twenty fifth. Two and five is seven. Mm -hmm. September is seven. And then 2023 is seven. And I think that marks a blessing on the remnant. Could that have anything to do with it? I I think I think the 25th is a stronger date for it and if you consider that today would be the if the considered today would be the first day of the month then the 25th would be the 10th day of the month so and and September 25th was always the most important date in my life and as a matter of fact, the 1972 calendar is exactly the same as the calendar that it is this year. And it was uh, September 23rd of 2017. And in 1972 was the day I met my wife and I knew she was the one that I was going to marry. I knew it immediately. Mm. We did marry. I just think there's going to be a blessing for the remnants on the 25th. Yeah, I, um, I right, but it's it's possible that the 23rd is some kind of a precursor or something that happens. I I'm not sure, but okay. I the think 20, the 23rd with my discoveries. If we go back to the signs in the heavens, right? Um, you know with the virgin birth well in two days time there's going to be the second sign of revelation um i just want to thank um helen and matty for that information but we're going to have a second sign in the skies um so, if we go into revelation 12 it the, specifically the talks about sorry the comment comes on September 23rd. The yeah. Turquoise, now, now, the turquoise blue comet. Yeah. Now there there is an asteroid going through Virgo. Through right. The, the asteroid of the child. And the comet the will child, be. Yes. And then Yahusha is the second asteroid. So it's this it the Heavenly Father's showing us, you know. The bridegroom, the bridegroom is getting ready to come for the 
He's putting on his clothes to come for the remnants, and we are closer than people imagine. Yeah, there it is. We are so close. Well, I think Doug's point, I want to make a, I just kind of want to reiterate Doug's point, which is a really good point. We've entered into that time of affliction, and we need to make ourselves clean. Mm -hmm. and, and this is just an important part of it. And this is where we need to be now, between now and Yom Kippur, and now and the time of his coming. Because mm -hmm. you know, what follows the angel with the inkhorn is the angels with slaughter weapons. Mm -hmm. And the slaughter weapons are coming. And yes. you know, and, and so this is just this is just a fact. So we have to be very, very careful. Okay. So let's take I'm gonna Doug, I want to thank you for this word, brother, and thank you for this code. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, I'm gonna try to put it on uh Telegram because I don't think that um I want to put it on YouTube or anything like that. Mm -mm. But on the on the telegram channel, uh possibly. Yeah, we're really blessed to have the Telegram channel. I got to tell you, we really are. Yes. It's a very functioning platform. And uh, it has, like, we've talked about the ARC. In fact, I was talking with the, with the, one of the guys that's in our Sabbath group today. We were meeting yesterday. And we're talking about trying to set up our own research channel for some one of the projects we're doing. And, and the research we have on the ARC is phenomenal in terms of being able to log it in. Eileen's work has been incredible. And all the research agents like Catherine and others and Sherry, we've contributed to uh, creating a really phenomenal set of data that can be logged. And other people can use Telegram for that same purpose. So Telegram is a great spot for it, Doug. And I'm mm -hmm. going to look for it after you get it posted uh, so we can kind of share it across the community. Uh, and, and I agree with you. You know, YouTube is not the place for this stuff. And I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on YouTube. I know we're going to do a dig next week, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's a blessing and John Barr hopefully will be there and others. We're going to talk about the rapture versus the resurrection and mm -hmm. have a, a lively discussion. Maybe Chris Mack can join us for that. And, uh, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to embark on that one and see what we can do. Uh, but, um, uh, but I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on YouTube because, you know, it's mm -hmm. become a censorship platform and they're now admitting it. And, you know, the kind of stuff that's going on at Google and the kind of stuff that's going on at Facebook and they're just, it's no longer a little bit of, we disagree with your point of view. It's flat censorship and kicking people to the curb, you know, and uh, so better not to be there. Okay. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Doug. Well, let's go to Chris. Chris, how are you, brother? Shalom, Doc. Yes, uh, thank you very well. Uh, I just uh, don't know how to follow up on that, Doug, <laughs> because that was kind of a drop the mic moment. If you will. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Anyway, what I wanted to follow up was uh, the uh, Torah reading, or rather the half Torah, which 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 is very well striking. I think if you think of uh, Rachel or Rachel and you think of her uh, discrepancies or problems that she had and the the idols and the camel furniture, etc., um, then you look here at what she did, um, the lamentation and the bitter weeping in verse 15. And uh, she refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. And then Yahweh says to her, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears 
for your work shall be rewarded, says Yahweh, and they shall come again from the land of their enemy. And you know that I mean that's that's a that's a prayer that lasted until now, really. You know, so it, it carried so much weight. Um, and the promise from Yah is ongoing. Um, and, and I think that's something to, to think about. Um, and, and also the prayer encouragement to, to all women uh, with children and with the prodigy that they are interceding for is uh, not to stop. And, and, you know, after what Doug has said, and I also felt it, and I said it early on in the meeting, that this, these 10 days are extremely important for us to reflect and um, to, to get in line and to repent. And then also uh, Ephraim um, bemoaning himself. And basically saying, you know, yeah, you've chastised me. Well, what a blessing is that? You know, we often look upon the chastisement as a curse or from, uh, from the evil one. But actually, uh, it's the blessing of Yah because he brings us into line and uh, he, 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 he helps us. Um, and if we're not a children, if we're not children of His, well, if it's going too easy with you, then maybe you should relook your um, your position, maybe you know. And I think uh, Yah chastises whom He loves, and His children, uh, He will definitely um, rebuke um, into line. So yeah, those are the two things that really stood out for me. Yeah, I think that's outstanding, Chris. Uh, would you be interested in reading the uh, Bessarab portion? Um, yes, I'd certainly do that. Uh, okay, let me put that up. Okay. There we go. Right. Matanyahu um, 24, 29 to 36. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of Adam in the heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of Adam coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a shofar. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn the parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves. He know that the summer is nigh. So likewise he when he shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Amen, I say unto you, this nation shall not pass 
till all the things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that, but of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Here I carry on. Luke 1, 39-55. And Miriam arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Yehuda and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elisheba. And it came to pass that when Elisheba heard the salutation of Miriam, the babe leaped in her womb and Elisheba was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. And she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you, Eth woman, blessed is the fruit of your womb, and whence is this to me, that the mother of my Adonai should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy, and blessed is she is he she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told of her from Yahweh. And Miriam said, My soul magnifies Yahweh, and my Ruach has rejoiced in Elohim, my Savior, for he has regarded the lower state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall be called shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty has done me great things. And holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from the seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the, hunger, the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Yasharel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Avram and his seed forever. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Hallelujah. You Amen. know, a couple things on this, Chris. First mm. of all, we have this. He's, she says, my soul magnifies Yahweh. And my Ruach has rejoiced in Elohim, my Savior. Why does Miriam need a Savior? Because she too was a sinner. And who needed the Savior? Not someone who was sinless and who was ascended into heaven, as the Catholic Church teaches. But a sinner who needed a Savior and whose Savior was Yahweh and Elohim. And what does she say? Holy is his name. Hallelujah. Yeah. A beautiful passage, I think. It's a beautiful passage. Amen. And, uh, you know, and this, and of course, and who was in the womb of Elisheba, but John the Baptist, right? And so these passages, I think, are quite complementary to where we are in, like, for instance, with, with Doug's Bible code, signifying that we may be at the very precipice of the the angel of the inkhorn marking us and that 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 yah the yahweh is coming on the clouds that we are here 
You know, many people were expecting today or Yom Teruah to be the day of the rapture. And this is part of the reason why we're going to talk about it next week, because if this was the day of the rapture, then we've been left behind. But yeah. that assumes that the rapture doctrine is true. And I think for me, I had a real difficulty with the rapture doctrine because, of course, the rapture doctrine is a doctrine that really gives people a license to do nothing. You know, well, you know, look, I'm going to be up here in the mezzanine looking down on you people, uh, you know, that were not as holy as me and good luck in the tribulation. Hope you make it right. And I think that teaching is incorrect. I think it's incorrect. I think that what we see is that there are saints, believers, Kodeshim, who are going to be in the tribulation. They're going to be going through the tribulation. And well, that, that first verse that we read, Doc, you know, immediately after those days, the tribulation, you know, the sun. So where does the rapture fit in? You know, it's after the tribulation. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And yeah. so here we are. And the, and the idea of the sun darkening and the stars falling from the sky. And of course, we might perceive the stars falling from the sky as falling, but it may be that they're darkened. Their lights go out. And so it appears mm -hmm. they've fallen from the sky, but their lights have gone out. And, mm -hmm. you know, what we think about that, you think about that, uh, Chris, like when we, you and I were looking at the Southern Star, the Southern Cross, you know, that this is a marker to, to point due south. And we have a marker in the heavens here in the north, the the uh, uh, the Big Dipper points to due north, points to uh, Polaris and the symbol of due north. So we've got these stars in the heavens that are navigation tools for us showing us how we get around on this earth and these stars have been fixed in their position to accomplish this task can you imagine when they go out when those stars go out then what do we do right and so yep. it's going to be very very fearful times i think on the earth right. but one of the things that is so great about this cautionary uh discussion we've had today concerning this bible code is that we're called to be prepared in our hearts and more prepared to be more to be prepared in our hearts than to be prepared in our kitchen, right? Amen. Or as as the toilet paper hoarders would say, in your bathroom, right? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you know, Doc. Uh, that's that's the point. You know, um, we prosper as our souls prosper, and that is Yah's ultimate uh, uh, um, hope for us. Is that we are not looking to the outward. You, we are not looking to the raiment because he looks after the, the, the grass and the, and the birds. But we are looking to the soul. And um, if he says that uh, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, or Keiko what is Keiko's, and give unto Yah what is Yah's, um, that's a, a distinct difference between the physical monetary system and what you can buy with it and the thing that you cannot buy is your soul although you can sell it um and and that that is yah's uh prize you know if you look at the reading one of the readings today the the prize uh, the the uh, the inheritance of yashara or rather 
sorry, Yah's inheritance is Yasharel, or the children of Yasharel, the seed of Yasharel. And um, so what is that inheritance to him? How, how, how prized is that inheritance for him? Well, he died for us because of this inheritance that he so, so desires to have. And I mean, that just says everything. It says everything about how important uh, you and I and everybody here and everybody in the world is actually to him. No matter if they know him or not, uh, it's, it's his creation. He would love us all to be with him. So, yeah. And that's such a big point because, you know, when you hear a lot of the rhetoric that comes in from the Zechariah Sitchin's crowd, you know, oh, Elohim created us to be slaves in order to mine gold for them and that we're, we, we were nothing more than a slave class put upon the earth. That's not what scripture tells us. That it's, it's nothing like that. We weren't created to be a slave class on the earth. We were created to be free men on the earth. We were created to be stewards over the earth, to name the cattle, to name the fruits, to name the, you know, all of these things and to, and to have dominion over the earth, not to be slaves. And that our consciousness would rise up to a point that, you know, when you think about it, a lot of us are getting older. And as we get older, our minds aren't getting older, but the bodies sure are, you know? Uh, you know, and so, so, you know, you look in the mirror and it's like, who's that guy again? <laughs> Where'd that guy come from? You know, and, uh, you know, but the consciousness is still here. Why? Because we have eternal life. We have an eternal spirit. And this consciousness is going to be before Yah. And this is something that was not created as a slave in, in this world. We were not created as slaves. And he calls us friends. He calls us friends and he has admitted us into the kingdom. And uh, you know, it's a place, there's no place I'd rather be. Yeah, I think I think we really overlooked that point, um, that the Yah of creation, the Yah that is so holy and so above what we can imagine, uh, sees us as, as friends. Uh, that is just such a beautiful miracle and something to really strive towards keeping and living in the in in his torah um, because you know if we want to love him we want to please him we want to uh we want to we want to delight we want him to delight in us and i think that's a serious message for right now is uh and and the seeking of these 10 days is really to 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 see where we go amiss because all of us do and Pray that Yah reveals these things to us so that we can be uh, found um, seeking him. Yeah, amen. Found seeking him. Yeah, amen. Amen. And I think that's really the key to us is that, you know, it was, it, it's written that it was, uh, you know, Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so I think this is really the critical question that has to be in our hearts. Do we believe that what Yah has said is true? Do we believe that? Do we believe that the promises he has made, he will in fact do? And this is what Abraham, when it says Abraham believed and therefore it was accounted to righteousness because he believed that Yah would do just what he said he would do. He would make him the father of many nations. He would give him a, a holy land. You know, all of these things. He believed those things. 
And but even though when you think about that, Yah tells him in that dream, you know, well, Abraham, I'm going to take your people from you and make them strangers in a strange land. And now, why would he do that? Well, I think the kind of the question is kind of the same question that Doug posed. Should I put this up on YouTube? The question for Yah was, should I make my name known among Abraham and his seed and no others? And the answer was, no, I'm going to take your seed after I have chosen them, and I'm going to plant them in the land of Mitzrayim, that the Mitzrayim, who do not know my name, will come to know my name. And I think this was all part of the plan from the original, from the, from the very beginning, that Yah is the Yah of all mankind, and that he wants his name known to the far ends of the earth, that every person on earth will be given a chance to hear and to understand and to know, and to say yea or nay. And I think that's where we are now. I think that's it, Chris. Hallelujah. So thank thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Vern. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Catherine, are you gonna join us again here? You got something for us? Yes, Stephen. Um that first sort of portion reading, when you're reading about you mentioned the aisles. Yes. When you were reading that section, I was wondering if you could read that section again with Paul's prophecy in 29 because when you were reading that I kept in my head going back to Acts 29 with Paul's prophecy on Lude Hill before he spoke to the Druids yeah yeah hang on just one second no hold on I just wondered whether that was a confirmation of the Torah um well it is New Testament. Yeah, yeah there is something there and hang on just one second. I want to see if I can. Okay, I can get this open. Hold on just one second. Let's go. There we go. Okay. All right. Yeah, when we talk about that, so here it is, Jeremiah 31. It's actually the Haftarah portion. Okay. The Haftarah mm -hmm. portion. And it reads, at the same time, says Yahweh, Will I be the Elohim of all the families of Yasharel, and they shall be my people? Thus says Yahweh, the people who were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. Even Yasharel, when I went to cause him to rest, Yahweh has appeared of old, saying unto me, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin of Yasharel. And you shall again be adorned with your tabrets, and shall go forth in the dances of them that make merry. You shall plant vines upon the mountains of Shamron. The planters shall plant, and shall eat them as common things. For there shall be a day that the Nazarim upon Mount Yephraim shall cry, Arise ye, and let us go up to Zion, to El Yahweh Eloheinu. For thus says Yahweh, Sing with gladness for Yaakov. And shout among the chief of the nations, publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Yahweh, save your people at the remnant of Yasharel. Behold, I bring them from the north country and gather them from the coasts of the earth. And with them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child and her that travails with child, a great company. They shall come with weeping, with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way. 
wherein they shall not stumble, for I have a father to Yasharel. And if Ephraim is my firstborn, hear the word of Yahweh, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Yasharel will gather him and guard him and shepherd. Yes. Okay. So in Acts 29, the prophet. That, that helps with that vision I shared with you privately. Huh. And the tie up with Paul. Mm -hmm. And so in Acts 29, let me get there just one second. Let's go. 28, 29. Yes, now here in Acts 29, this is, um, so here it is. He says that um, Paul came and stood on Mount Lude, and the people thronged at the gate and assembled in the broad way, and he preached Mashiach unto them, and many believed the word in the testimony of Yahusha. And at the evening, the Ruach HaKodesh fell upon Paul, and he prophesied, saying, Behold, in the last days, this is in um, the book of Acts, chapter 29, verse 10. Behold, in the last days, Yahweh Shalom shall dwell in the cities, and the inhabitants thereof shall be numbered in the seventh numbering of the people. Their eyes shall be opened, and the glory of their inheritance shall shine forth before them, and nations shall come up to worship on the mount that testifies the patience and long-suffering of a servant of Yahweh. And in the latter days, new tidings of the Besorah shall issue forth out of Jerusalem, and the hearts of the people shall rejoice, and behold, fountains shall be opened, and there shall be no more plague. In those days there shall be wars and rumors of wars, and a king shall rise up, and his sword shall be for the healing of the nations, and his peacemaking shall abide and the glory of his kingdom, a wonder among princes. And again, this is a prophecy of the coming Mashiach in the second time. But we also see this idea of Shalom coming to end the plague, to end the plague, right? And Amen. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting prophecy. And all of this prophecy is now coming together, I think. We're starting to see this now really kind of uh, lock in. So... Um, so again, now, when it says the isles shall bring forth in Jeremiah the children back to Yasharel. Now, I know we always thought it was um, Tarshish, Spain. Yes, we can prove Tarshish was Spain, but we can also prove now that the Welsh, the Cymri, were called Tarshish because the Cymri came from Spain. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a tie-in with Spain, the Isles, and the end times. Yeah, yeah, it's very likely. And in fact, if you go back to the prophecy of uh, von Rendsburg, von Rendsburg says that Russia will sweep across Europe and they mm -hmm. only stopped at the Pyrenees. They only stopped at the Pyrenees, which means that only Spain remains unconquered by Russia in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so and I think that's why the crying of the woman it, they might have come out of troubled times. I don't know, but 
I think I think it's all starting to fit together, and I, I think the those that story you read today was absolutely beautiful because it gives us hope. Oh, it does. Um, Everything in today's portion was was the delivery of hope, all of it. Exactly, it was beautiful. Yeah. And, anyway, and I, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Catherine. And I do want to make a point when we talk about hope here. This is such an important yeah. part of who we are. And Angela made this point earlier when we first opened up that, uh, or excuse me, Vern made this point too, that even though the world gets darker and darker, the light mm. of Yah shines brighter and brighter and brighter. And Amen. Yeah. And for those who are called by the Ruach HaKodesh, they're not going to be able to miss the light. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. The world is, is is cascading into a darkness now, an unprecedented darkness. Mm, frankly, it is. This year is going to be very, very dark. But the mm -hmm. light of Yah is going mm -hmm. to shine brighter than ever. And for those of us that are, that, you know, when people keep saying, you got to prep, you got to prep, you got to prep. You know how you need to prep. You need to prep as though you don't have a cell phone anymore. You need to prep as though exactly. anymore. You know, so mm -hmm. you need to figure out can I reckon my way around with no GPS? Yes, you can. You used to do it all the time. Uh, I've decided what I'm doing. Some people probably think I'm mad. I haven't had the ability to prep. And I've accepted that it'll come a time where I'm not going to have my brothers and sisters to communicate with. So I better start sending you my postal address. Um, there you go. But, but um, even the post office is going to fail, Catherine. Even the post office. Well, fail. if that does yours word, the Seth is not going to fail. If I can't get answers from my brothers and sisters and confirmation, I'm going back to the word of Yah in the Sefer because it's the answer to all. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so, so here we are. So, uh, you know, this is what this is why I'm saying to us. There is hope. There's always hope in Yah. Chris made the point as he clothes the sparrow, you know, isn't he going to be more concerned for us? Let us not be concerned with those things. Let us be concerned mm. with things of Yah. Let us be concerned with mm. his things and his teaching. Because it is written, if you love mm. me, keep my commandments. Right? And John and first John mm. says, This is the love of Yah, keeping his commandments. Mm. And so we mm. are called to love Yah. Why? Because he loves us. And you know, it's just like if mm. you were a child and you loved your parent, you're gonna do what your parents ask you to do because you love them. Mm. And, and that's the key. It's not you're doing them to earn brownie points so that you become part of the family. You're already in the family. That's mm -hmm. you're 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 doing what Yah calls you to do because you want to do it because He asked you to do it. And more importantly, yeah. see, you know, the religions they want to tell you this is what Scripture says, and if you sin, you're guilty, guilty, guilty. And the only absolution you're going to have mm -hmm. is we give you absolution, we men. Who are going to listen to your confession and tell you whether or not you qualify enough to receive communion while the priest is out molesting children right no this isn't this, mm. is, this is an incorrect assessment the scripture is given to teach us life not to teach us guilt it's to teach us life 
that what's the teaching concerning the ten mm -hmm. do these things and live in them it's to teach Amen. us life not to teach us the ways of death but to teach us the ways of life and life more abundantly that's what scripture Amen. is about. and so that's why we're called to these things right that's why we're called to be mm -hmm. the children of yah and I just want to thank you again for being led, for putting this effort together. Because when everything goes down, that will be my PC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Blessings. Thank you, brother. You too. Bye. Hi, Raina. Hi, Dr. P. Hey. Just, um, Thinking about what Brian said earlier about Florida. Yeah. A um, couple of months ago, um, I think it was on a Shabbat. And uh, I, I put my feet down from the chair. And I felt like, you know how when you uh, touch a an electrical outlet or something that that you get the little buzzy. Oh yeah, the shock. Yeah, <laughs> Big, yeah, from the shock, <laughs> and that's what it felt felt like. And I felt that several times already, which is very interesting to me. I I, I mean I don't know what that is, but I've never had that happen before. Yeah, there could. I be don't know if it's of electromagnetic uh, radiation, for lack of a better term that there's, you know, static electricity that is gathered up over Florida. You know, I'm convinced that there was a time on Earth when the static electricity was much greater than it is today. Uh, and in fact, during the time of Moshe, I think the world was full of static electricity, a lot less now. But even so, there's still static electricity out there and you're getting those kinds of shocks. Were you barefoot at the time? Uh, no, no, but uh, what it felt more like it, like a kind of a trembling, and I thought, uh, earthquake, and, you know, it was kind of like in my mind, and I would deny it's, I'm not sure, you know, but uh, the way things are turning out here with these waves now, the current and the rain, it's, it's not like it used to be. The, the, the rains that are coming are very thick. And very strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, All of a sudden, it's like if you were getting hit by little balls. Right. I mean, yeah. you hear it. You hear it on the walls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's because like, the, the, the raindrops are much thicker, much bigger. Yes, and and the wind last night it was unbelievable. I mean, some wind, and then it started raining like I've never heard it before. Yeah, so I, it was interesting, it just interesting what Brian had said earlier about Florida. And that brought it to my mind. Oh, could it be that, you know, the shift or it could be an earthquake that, you know, I don't know. There's shifts going on. There are there are shifts going on. And that is a certainty. And I think we're going to see, and you know, they try to call it climate change. But really, a lot of the climate change is nothing more than electromagnetic changes as a result of the pole moving. And so, of course, if the pole shifts, you can imagine that if, if you have, if the magnetic pole has shifted dramatically over to Russia, then this is going to change the orbit of the Earth. And not only is it going to change the, or, or the revolution of the Earth, 
Not only does it change the revolution, here, let me show, show, show you on the whiteboard and I'll show you what I mean. So if we, you know, assuming that you agree that the earth is a sphere, which is how we're going to talk about it today. But look, if we put the earth out here like this and we say, okay, so the earth is at a 23 degree tilt. And so it's like this. And so with this being the case, we have, uh, we have the, the pole is here and the pole is here right so all right so these are the magnetic poles so we've got an equator then that runs here like this so here's the equator and so uh, so we have weather that is associated with this now technically this of uh, the earth is not really circular it's more oblong because of its spinning so th these are fatter in the middle. But what takes place now is that now you're going to see something happening with this pole moving over here. And so if that pole moves over here, then that means this pole here is going to move over here. So now we end up with, uh, we end up with a, uh, a center here that's more like this. Okay, now if this happens, what happens is this. Here, we used to have uh, a cold section. Let's call the cold section uh, here like this. Let me see if I can spin. I don't think I can turn that. No, I can't. But we've got a cold section here of the earth that's kind of like this around the pole. But when this, when the pole shifts, this moves over here. So when that happens, this section over here that used to be cold right here, or that used to be not cold right here. Oh, wait a minute. Let me get a different color. This section here is now all of a sudden cold, whereas it used to be warm. And this section over here that used to be cold is now warm. And... So we've seen a lot of this go on in the United States in the last several years when you get all this inordinate cold coming in over Quebec and then England, then, then onto, the East Coast, onto the East Coast, you know, uh, you get, we get, you see these inordinate, and it's been, I don't know, the last 10 years, maybe there's been inordinate cold that has been hitting the East Coast or up in Alaska here in where I live, there's been years where there's been no snow. And that's just ridiculous. I mean, that's never heard of. Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, it was absolutely unheard of. It never happened here. But it's happening here now. And so, you know, we have a saying up here, call me another Alaskan uh, for global warming, right? <laughs> you know, we want to be able to get out on the beach, you know. <laughs> but anyway, and it's because of this shift in the pole, it has shifted the cold weather in a different direction. And uh, so uh, anyway, but yeah, it's true. The magnetics changed where they had to renumber the the uh, the runways in uh, in Florida because they were not accurate to the GPS anymore. They had to renumber. There was it wasn't just a little bit off. It was a lot of it off. OK. Yeah, I just want to put in real quick, uh, brother, um, you know, remember that the Bible says that there's going to be a great earthquake. And it also says a third of the ocean will be destroyed. Also says the mountains will be being low. 
It also says the islands will be moved out of their place. To me, it sounds like, and you see in Fishers happening, somebody just uh, texted in the, in the chat here. They said they're a contractor in Arizona saying that you know, they're, they're noticing the earth move. I saw just a video the other day. There's a fissure opening up, and not just our country, just now in Arizona. There's been one opening up in Africa. So I think there's the earth is moving. Yeah, yeah. the fissure that's open in Africa is, runs through Kenya and up through Somalia, and that whole section of the eastern horn of Africa is like splitting off like Madagascar, right? It's like it's going to eventually move off the coast. And that split, by the way, runs all the way up into Israel. Okay, all right. So, uh, Angelo, how are you, brother? Good, thank you. I wanted to comment along with the thought of the Bessera today and Matthew 24. Um, the world of mankind, as in this Gena in, in Greek, can be like fourfold. Age, everything associated with it, the generating, not just generation, but everything that's generated out of this, as well as nation, as well as time. It's a very large, expansive word. And so the ones that are of Yah are not in the dark. What he's saying, we're seeing this. And we're, we're being shown. We're being shown our deliverance. It says we know when summer is near because learn from this, the fig tree, learn from this. Well, the ones that are outside, and it's not a judgment, it's just an observation. Those that are claiming a faith, which is not based in Scripture, it's like a separate New Testament, if you will. And if you don't have this foundation, you can't see this. If you don't know the appointed times, you're not going to see this. You'll be in the dark. So all of these things that he's showing us, especially today, and when you look back 1,290 days from that date that was shared earlier, you get to some interesting time periods that were proclaimed at that time. And so it's like it says that's something's going to get set up, the enemy's going to do. But the overall picture is when you get to uh, Kizion 17, you start to see the uh, more detail that Yah is putting his thoughts and their thoughts to accomplish, just as he always did, just as he used Babylon to uh, take the Jerusalem down the first time and then, then use Medo-Persia to take Babylon down. He's always used man and his governments, his ages, his, all of that to accomplish his will. And so in the darkness of all of this, they're scrambling and doing all these things. But the ultimate thing is we lift our heads up in praise. We believe it in his hands. It's not our call. It's amen. Thank you for calling us to this. Let us be loving. And these next nine, ten days, not just cleaning up our own house, but he's saying, get close, understand the forgiveness, the love, the, mm -hmm. the glory, the joy, like you shared with me earlier when I was sharing with you. I, I'm sorry it came across as a victimized statement. But it was an appreciation for this love that he showed me. It's a higher form of love beyond description. And we want to make sure that we're not warring with each other. Yeah, we, want to be, we don't want to be in that kind of darkness. Because the devil uses that kind of anger more than he does anything else. And we could be fooling ourselves. And I speak from my personal experience of how much I fail in that terribly. And so I'm grateful that I know I'm not confused about it. I fall short terribly. But, I, but the difference between what I'm doing and what we're up to, man, it's, it's painfully obvious. So this, this, perf, this wonderful but, light and, and to know that summer is near, well, we know the season, you know, in a little, when you're looking at that time period, what does that represent? Say, we're, we're already knowing that. What does this Torah represent? Well, we're being, we're giving this, we're being shown this. 
And so we prepare. We're prepared. And that's the whole key. Keep watch. Stand guard. Guard those commandments. Keep alive. Keep watch. Stand guard, my Israel, my people. Um, Yashorel. And there it is. And, and we're testifying to it. And, and, man, it's getting deeper and deeper. You can sense it. Whatever's coming, hallelujah. And, and bring it on. Let us be obedient. And let us be, for my, what I'm praying for is completely renew me. Take out all last vestige of that leaven. Just remove it. Do what you need to do so that I can be there to amen and serve in whatever way. So. Yeah, yeah. Good word, Angelo. Yeah, very good word. Thank you for that. Okay, Vern, how about you, brother? Yeah, uh, to line right up with what he said, if we stay in the Ruach HaKadosh, there is no need that we should uh, have Torah as our schoolmaster anymore. That is a simple premise that I believe is very poignant for today. Very on the top of my mind. Staying in the Ruach is believing in Yah. Staying in the Ruach is doing His will. It is it's everything to me. And I just want to exhort everybody else to seek for in the Ruach we are no longer double-minded but single-minded in Messiah and that is to me that's the goal that's all I have yeah yeah and I think it's important for us to remember that uh, you know our works are not what put us in heaven because we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory. It is the blood of Mashiach that places us in the kingdom. And that his blood shed on the cross, Yah considers as our blood shed for our transgression. It's a complete propitiation. And because of that, we are clothed in the linen of Mashiach before Yah. And that's the truth of it. And the uh, the the when we talk about who we are as people, we do the things that we do that the Torah is instructing us to do because we love you because this is what He's asked us to do and it brings life. But in terms of our redemption, our redemption is had predicated upon our belief. It's predicated upon our belief, our belief that Yah will do what He said He will do. That Yahusha, I mean, look, is there any one of us here who doesn't believe that Yahusha is coming back? Yahusha is coming back. Now we might have a difference. We might have a difference in discrepancies concerning when, but a lot of the conclusions that have been reached today is that it's on the horizon. It is very, very, very near. And so, because we believe, this is accounted unto us as righteousness. We should not let go of that. We should not let go of that part of it, right? Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Vern. I really appreciate that, brother. Okay. All right. So, lives I follow. Are you going to leave us with a good word today? Okay. <laughs> um. Well, blessings to everybody. It's a it's a great time of the season here 
coming into introspection. And um, I believe that we will see uh, something special in these 10 days and, and especially on the day of Yom Kippur. And um, I wanted to ask a very important question. Uh, I'm really expecting some light, but Abraham was saved by grace. And there was no blood of, uh, of, of, of uh, the Messiah. And so he was saved by grace. And, uh, and, and it was accounted that he believed in the promise given to him that it would be performed by the Most High. And so what are your thoughts about, because he's the, he's the, founding father of all these so-called religions uh, that we all talk about. And, and he, he, the Godfather, so to speak, uh, was saved by grace and not by blood. And so Yom Kippur, uh, to me, is a day that we recognize uh, Abba, as the uh, creator of all things. And um, also for, I guess, Hebrew believers, which would be those who follow Abraham, uh, uh, he, he is, you know, uh, he, we, we confess our shortcomings to him. And he, and the Father clears our slate and prepares us for the next several seasons to come until we come back to Yom Kippur again. So is there anything about the fact that Abraham was not uh, under the blood, that he was, you know, he was rescued by grace, by the Father? And do you have anything that could help me out there? Yeah, sure. Um when we talk about that, remember that it is written that um, that when man sheds blood, blood must be shed in compensation for the for the shed blood of man. And we see a schema that is given to us in the Old Testament that is quite interesting, because, well, like for instance, when we talk about Abraham. Why is it that Yah would say, Abraham, you know, I'm going to pick you out of all people and I'm going to make you the father of all nations. And because Yah, Abraham believed, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So therefore, now I'm going to take your children and put them into captivity in Egypt. What's, what's going on there, right? And so what we see is we see something very interesting happening is that Yah is going to choose out a people and he's going to choose out a people and he's going to say, okay, I'm going to give you a demonstration of what's going to happen in this epic. Now, the epic that happened before the flood, there was no demonstration. There was no example. There really was no written word. We had the teachings of Hanok, but for the most part, man erred because man erred. And when Yah had an expectation that the consciousness that was given to man and given that what you could see in the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of Yah, and everybody would see it, and they'd all understand and say, Yah is fantastic, we love him, thank you, creator. That's not what happened. 
wickedness came on their mind. It was on their mind all the time and only wickedness. So we see after the flood that Yah is going to take a different step. He's going to take a different approach. And the approach he's going to take is to say, I'm going to give you an instruction. I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to write it out with my own finger. I'm going to tell it to you face to face on the mountain. And I'm going to call out a people according to this instruction that you will have a way to learn how to live. That's after Abraham. But this was all intended in the seed that was placed in Sarah, that this was going to take place. They were going to come out of, of, out of Egypt, and he was going to give them a set of commands that they could live by. And what happened was there was murmuring in the desert, and all of those people that had seen his miracles that brought them out of slavery, they all died in the desert because they were rebellious to his commands. And ultimately, these very same people would be divorced, right? Jeremiah 3, he divorced the northern kingdom, gave them a certificate of divorce. And he says in the giving of the certificate of divorce to the northern kingdom, have you seen her sister Judah? She's an even bigger whore than the northern kingdom. And ultimately, Judah and Benjamin and Levi, who were in the southern kingdom, would be complete, would have their kingdom completely taken from them, their temple completely destroyed, and then being scattered over the face of the earth. And everything that was given in the Torah to them for the instruction in the wilderness was taken from them because Yah no longer placed his name there. So you have to remember that after we leave the time of Abraham and we move in through the pattern of what took place with the house of Israel, who was even though Yah was a husband unto them, they played the whore. They started worshiping Baal. They started worshiping Molech. They started worshiping Dagon. They started worshiping Ishtar and Isis and Horus and Nimrod and Mithras and anybody else you could think of. And so what happened was the children of Avraham became cursed and became totally cut off from Yah. That is to say, there wasn't a human being on earth remaining that had a chance to see the throne of heaven. All of mankind became condemned unto death. And the only thing that was capable of redeeming mankind at that point was Mashiach. And or so, blood. Yeah, and, and the shed blood of Mashiach. But it's interesting because we talk about the shed blood of Mashiach, but Mashiach says, look, this cup of the covenant is my blood. And he said that before he bled on the cross. He said that before he was beaten with a whip. This cup of the covenant, this is my blood shed for you and for the remission of sins. This is the renewed covenant in my blood in this cup. What do you mean cup of covenant? The cup of the covenant, The uh, this is when we talk about the Brit Hadashah. The Brit Hadashah is a renewed covenant. And, this re and it's not a new covenant like a lot of Christian churches try to teach but a renewed covenant. And the covenant, mm -hmm. Yah, is the ten Devarim. This was okay, I think. This is what Yah gave to us in person. This is what he wrote out with his own finger. And Deuteronomy 5.22 says, and he added nothing further. And Jeremiah 7.21 says, you want to go out and sacrifice a bull? Go sacrifice a bull, eat the flesh, have a barbecue. But I never asked you to do that when I brought you out of Mitzrayim. Instead, I said, obey my voice. I will be your Elohim. You will be my people. And so this was the call that was given to us by Yah. 
to be obedient unto his instruction because his instruction is the instruction of life. But we did not abide in his covenant. We broke his covenant routinely over and over again, just as we're breaking it in our country right now. In every possible, even though there's a copy of the Ten Commandments in almost every state capital in the country, nonetheless, every state capital is, it, it can't breach the Ten Commandments fast enough. Mm. And so as a consequence, guess what? The cursings of Deuteronomy 28 are upon all of us. And the only salvation that remains for this group of murdering adulterers that we are is the blood of Mashiach. What what about what about um the several times in the uh Tanakh, the uh oh, the uh old uh, testament or whatever you want to call it, uh where Abba says that, you know, he doesn't require blood sacrifice. And 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 when Abraham went up on the hill uh, with his son, uh, it, it seemed like the focus was on obedience. And so what about the obedience of the Son of Man uh, in relationship to the shed blood? Should we uh, discern? Well, again, you know, and, you know, and I want to point this out, too, because when we talk about the 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 shed blood of the animal the shed yeah. blood of the animal was designed to be a propitiation for our sin now what about the person who's never shed blood did they need to have blood shed for them and when we talk about the, the the covenant it's a very interesting thing because the covenant given by mashiach was actually a covenant in bread and wine that's how it's written in the gospels that's how it's written that it was a covenant of bread and wine. And that covenant was the same covenant that was given between Melchizedek and Abraham at Salem, at Jerusalem. And if you recall, Melchizedek presented himself to Abraham with bread and wine. And it is this bread and wine covenant that is the covenant. And Melchizedek was a priest, not by bloodline, but by oath. And so this, you know, the, the so the questions you're asking now are questions that really kind of go into um, a high-end study. Paul talks a great deal about this. And of course, people in the Hebrew community that want to reject Paul uh, are unable to answer the questions you're asking right now because Paul is the one that answered those questions and he answered them well. So what we see is, is that when we talk about this covenant, this renewed covenant that is a covenant from Yah, this is a voluntary covenant. It's done, uh, it's an easy yoke and a light burden. It is done by an expression of your mouth that expresses the truth that is in your heart, that your covenant is achieved based upon your belief, which is accounted unto you as righteousness. Now, when we talk about when people want to say there was no blood shed for the remission of sin, well, I disagree with that. I think that the blood that was shed on the cross was blood that was shed for the remission of sin, and it was quite specific. That is to say, there was a crown of thorns put on his head, which was blood shed for the sins of the mind. There was blood shed from his right hand, which was blood shed for the intentional sins of man. There was blood shed from his left hand, which was a, 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 an atonement for the sinister acts of man. There was blood shed from his right foot, 
which was atonement for the intentional walk into sin. There was blood shed from his left foot, which was from the bloodshed for the accidental walk into sin. Uh, and there was bloodshed and water that came from his heart for the sins of the heart. And so I think this was quite symbolic and quite um, uh, a, a, a propitiation for the sins of man. That, but that, but the obedience for him to go through that is what I'm uh, trying to... to go through that. Yeah, I mean the fact that he did it, and even though it, and and uh, even though and he said, like, "Please take this cup from me," you know, I mean, so there was a little struggle with that obedience as well. Sure, there was because he was fully man and fully mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, and it is it, it is something, and like when you read the the shortest passage in scripture shows you the humanity of Mashiach because it says Yahusha wept over the loss of his friend, right? And mm -hmm. so this is, the, these are very important aspects uh, to all of this. And in terms of our understanding the, the, do we understand the personification of Yahweh? I don't think we do. But it's given to us much, as much as it can be and we try to see what it is. I mm. believe that Yahweh is his character is loving kindness and compassion and his mercy endures forever. And, uh, and so that's, that's where it is. That's where I am on it. When, when you talked about the uh, pre Adam uh, world, I don't know what you pre Adamic or whatever you called it earlier. Adamic. Um, yeah. Did, did, was the takeaway to, for us to realize that there were other, uh, men and women that were that were upon the earth i think so that's my take okay so if that's the case then wouldn't they be over all the earth maybe and wouldn't there have been chaos among them because there was no law i can't say that i don't know okay that. okay i mean we, we don't know the whole record you know all yeah. i'm saying is that there appears to be evidence of a pre-adamic race on earth and and i and, and to the extent that there is evidence of that the scriptures are not silent on that point that's my point what and what's that evidence please genesis one. Oh, okay okay all right mm -hmm. so thanks live i appreciate your questions thanks for raising thank those you questions. they're good questions good we could talk about them today okay linda did you want to add something to our discussion here today? Yes. In my studying, I understand that the sacrifices were for um, unintentional sins. They were for elevation. None of them was for intentional sin. Intentional sin had to be, you had to repent and ask for forgiveness. And yeah, my understanding I mean, may be wrong, but no, no, that's not that's not entirely wrong. And and the truth is, Linda, is that really the bloodshed of the animals? Uh, I think that was for national sin and not for the particular sin of an individual. And so, okay, right, it was not really, and, and the blood of the animal was not really an atonement per se. But the the characterization in the Book of Yasher, I think, is very good because. When the ram was sacrificed in lieu of Yachak, Abraham said, 
please, you know, think of this blood of the lamb as the blood of Yitzhak in this sacrifice because he wanted to do what was asked of him. So the blood sacrifices, like I'm just going to come back and say it again. Blood sacrifice of the animal is over. It's done. It, it, right. it, words when Mashiach said on the cross, it is finished. That's what he meant. It is finished. It's done. So let's let go of it and call it a day. Okay. 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 Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Okay, Vern. Yeah. <clears throat> Can you hear me? Yeah. What is meant in scripture when it says be set apart as I am set apart? Yeah. To you. Yeah. Be holy for I am holy. Yeah, what does that mean? Be perfect. It's also written. Right? What does that mean? And you know, and, and see this a lot of people say, well, let's use set apart instead of holy. Well, set apart, as far as I'm concerned, is is as non-descriptive as the word holy. Uh, and there's other choices that people want to use for holy, but they all come down to the same thing. And, you know, what is it? I mean, well, whatever the character is of Yah, set apart, holy, however, Kodesh, whatever word you want to use, this is the character of Yah. And so be as I am. That's the best way to understand it. Be holy for I am. So be as I am. And so I think that's really what is meant by that. Be as I am. And you know what that means. I mean, he is not a, um, uh, he's not someone who's, who is uh, controlled by the flesh, right? And so I think that's the easiest way to understand it. And so we seek after righteousness. Do we obtain righteousness? No, but we seek after it. Tzedakah. We seek after righteousness to try to be Sadiq, not for purposes of earning salvation, but for purposes of doing what he's called us to do. And it's Peter who said, be holy for I am holy. Haven't you read it? And it was Mashiach who said, therefore be perfect, right? These things were called to. And uh, so what does that mean? It just means to, you know, live a righteous life, a, a righteous life, strive for righteousness, strive for excellence. Now I'm a believer in excellence, not perfection. Do the best you can. Scripture says be perfect. I don't know. Maybe some people will achieve it. I've never met anyone who has. But you, it's something to strive for. Okay? If you are led of the Ruach HaKadosh, I believe that is, if you're fully led, completely led of the Ruach HaKadosh, that is that goal, I believe, to be Kadesh as he is Kadesh. Yeah. And that's the only way that we can do it. Well, we can't do it. That's a better way of putting it. We can't do it. It's only through him, through the Ruach, that we can be at that point. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Yeah, it has to be led by the Ruach. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, good point. All right, Vern. Well, thank you very much. Okay, guys. So we're going to wrap up our Sabbath meeting today. I want to thank you guys for taking part in today's Sabbath meeting. Thank you all for participating. Thank those of you who are doing our Sabbath reading today. It was greatly appreciated. Your questions are always Your comments in the chat are also appreciated. So thank you very much, guys. Blessings to you on this Yom Teruah. Chag Sameach. May Yah be with you in your walk this upcoming 10 days leading into Yom Kippur.
and may we all uh, find ourselves in a spot of beauty, looking at the light of Yahweh and not the darkness around us. Amen. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>